This is Unfilter, episode 271 for February 28th, 2018. Do you think that if the Broward Sheriff's Office had done things differently, this shooting might not have happened? Listen, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson would still be in the record books. I don't know what that means. There's 17 dead people and there's a whole long list of things your department could have done differently. And from the great Pacific Northwest, this is Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chase. On the board this week is Mr. Chris. Hey, buddy. Hey, Chris, did you know that this episode number, which I don't like to repeat because you say it already. 271. Did you know that 271 is a prime number? Oh, I felt prime. I felt very prime. I felt prime today. Yeah, I thought we We prime ordered the show. We were talking about Amazon Prime before the show, and I thought... You know, I was feeling it. It's beautiful. It all, boom, it all comes it together. Is. It's a big it kumbaya is. on this week's a, episode. No new taxes on this one. That's uh, <laughs> uh, well, at least some crumbs, Chase. At yeah, least some enough. crumbs. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna do some cyber. Oh, we got a great, high produced, big budget cyber news story to cover. What? Then an update on the Russia investigation. You take it from. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and then you remember, uh, remember Michael Wolf, the author of the uh, Fire and Fury book. Yes. He has a great production moment that you and I are gonna share this oh. week, and then. This shooting has gone like no other shooting that this show has covered. I'm talking about the stuff that's happened as a result of the shooting. It's like nothing we've ever witnessed on this show before, and we'll cover some of that. And then, Mr. Chase has been sitting in his Chase Tower. I I, am, <laughs> I overlooked the wall. Looking down upon all of the governors of this land, yes. and uh, he's got some gears to grind. I, I I typically don't enact my, what is it, the fifth privilege? Is that like, yeah. I have cards. That's the I gear can, privilege, yeah. I have the mm-hmm. gear privilege. Yeah, the gear privilege. Yeah, and uh, I pulled it out this week. I said, Chris, I, I need five minutes this week. Yeah. Uh, because there's, there's something that really triggered me that happened. Hashtag triggered. That happened last week in our great state of Washington that I, I do feel is pertinent to the show, so we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, too. it's actually, I think it's going to be interesting for people that aren't in Washington, which is good for us. So stay tuned. Mr. Chase's Five Minutes is coming up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm on board. we got some audio for it. And then we'll end it all on a high note that'll make you smile and make you go, what, what, what? And then an overtime that's loaded with the uh, the Trump controversy corner this week and some Hillary flashbacks. Like, we got all angles in the overtime. So there's a lot to get into. It's exciting. Right. Yes. It's exciting. You want to go into this high-budget uh, cyber? Uh, ASL uh, to the extreme. This is all about GPS spoofing. And um, even if you're just an audio listener, you're going to appreciate all of the rich extra sound bites they put into this. And if you're a video listener, take a look at these graphics. It's like stuff you never get to see on CNN. Picture this. On June 22, 2017, a merchant vessel sailing in Russian waters in the Black Sea Look at that. disappeared from screens. Happens the ship all the time. hadn't actually gone anywhere, oh. but its GPS signal was now showing that it was about 25 miles away. It now appeared to be in mainland Russia, at an airport. And it wasn't just one ship. All the ships in the vicinity were... Uh, is that not the most badass visualizer you've ever seen? They, now, have, they uh, added like a smoke decay effect to it. Yeah, d- to be fair, you've done the visualizer effects yeah. on some stuff, and I think they're great, but dude, you got to get this one. I know. This I, is good. Uh, facing the same, exactly the same problem. So basically, we were all 
stuck in the same position, like 20 ships. This is the ship's captain. Position, pretty much. The case is one of the first well-documented examples of what experts are calling GPS spoofing, something that could be used as a cyber weapon. So, oh no, what is GPS spoofing? Well, remember when they're talking about this, the military runs their own independent GPS network, more accurate, different set of codes, yeah. totally different thing than the civilian GPS network. Right. Well, right. there are two main ways to throw off a GPS signal. The first is spoofing, where a receiver is tricked into thinking it's somewhere other than its actual location. The second is jamming, which scrambles a GPS signal, leaving it unreadable. And here's the thing. Spoofing can be pulled off without the user even knowing it's happening. Oh my gosh. As the residents of Moscow know all too well. We see similarities. Uh, around the Kremlin in Moscow, GPS receivers have been reporting the location of another airport about 20 miles away. In late 2016... So if you're the Kremlin and uh, you're experimenting with uh, jamming the U.S. GPS system and, in, and in anybody's GPS system or perhaps even your own... Um, do you do it right over the office of the Kremlin? Isn't that sort of like the CIA experimenting right over the airspace of the White House? Well, it could be one of those situations where you do something so obvious yeah, to the okay. contrary. Yeah. Except for this is like a safety issue. Like when you're screwing with GPS, it could cause a safety issue. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like it's a it's it's a big deal. It's Chris, Chris <laughs> re- really the conspiracy here is this is AAA. Trying to bring back their maps. Right. Uh, I actually like those Rand McNally maps. Remember those? Is this, I, I used this to is, go to AAA all the time. This to get is big maps. maps. This yeah, is big exactly. maps. <laughs> this is maps. This is the maps lobby getting back involved here. All right. Okay. All right. So a Yahoo reporter has some real gumption. He manages to ask a great, bold question right to the face of the NSA director. The FBI director and the NSA director are still going out, doing their tour, trying to convince the entire world that we can safely install backdoors into encryption and that the government should have access to all encryption types. No big deal. We bake this stuff in. What's your problem? My name is Alex Tanos. I'm the CISO at Yahoo. Hey, Alex. Um, so it sounds like you agree with Director Comey that we should be building defects into the encryption in our products so that the U.S. government can, can decrypt uh, so that would be your characterization. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think Bruce Schneier and Ed Felton and all of the best public cryptographers in the world would agree that the kind of, you can't really build back doors into crypto. That it's like accurate. Um, yeah, 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 yeah we I've got a lot of world class cryptographers I, at the National Security Agency. Probably also accurate. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, uh, it's sort of like uh, it's like going to your own team and uh, hey, am I doing a good job? Yeah, you're doing great, boss. We you're got doing the great. Best. We you got can the do best. this. Yeah, it's no yeah. problem, boss. We yeah. got this. Yeah, okay, well. And I've talked to some of those folks, and I think some of them agree, too. But, so um, we agree that we don't accept each okay. other's premise. So, you so okay, there we go. We'll agree and disagree on that. So uh, if, if we're going to build defects slash backdoors or golden master keys for the U.S. government, do you believe we should do so? We have about 1.3 billion users around the world. Should we do so for the Chinese government, the Russian government, the Saudi Arabian government, the Israeli government, the French government? Which of those countries should we give backdoors so, to? And the other follow-up question to that should be, how do you prevent them from abusing it? So even if you don't give the backdoor to China, how do you prevent yeah. them I, from taking advantage of I'm it? I'm okay with the not follow-up at this point because this is the, the big trick that like a lot of politicians and military people, when they answer big questions like this, when you do those big follow-ups, yeah. no, they I know. take advantage. I know, but I'm saying like yeah. that would be the next thing I want to know after that. It's Absolutely. Like, yeah. So, okay, we're going to do this. How do we prevent the bad guys from taking advantage? But right now he's saying, well, if we're going to mandate this, are we also going to build it in? So are you going to force Microsoft? Yeah. yeah. And, of course, wouldn't China want that? China's forcing Apple to move all of their iCloud encryption keys to That's China. That's right, yeah. 
the Saudi Arabian government, the Israeli government, the French government? Which of those countries should we give back doors so to? I'm not going to. I mean, the way you frame the question is designed to elicit a response. Well, I mean, do you, yeah, do you believe is. we should build um, back doors for other countries? Um, the, my position is, hey, look, I think, number one, that this is technically feasible. Well, good for you. Now, it needs to be done within a framework. I'm the first to acknowledge that. So a framework like the FISA court, that's what he means when a framework, uh, a, a framework rug, of rules, yeah. not a, like a development framework. No, it's a framework of rules in which they will adhere to, just like they're allowed to break the Constitution, the Fourth Amendment, because they follow a framework. So it's OK. Technically feasible. Now, it needs to be done within a framework. I'm the first to acknowledge that. You don't want the FBI and you don't want the NSA unilaterally deciding, so what are we going to access and what are we not going to access? No, of course not. We want our extremely corrupt politicians, our broken Justice Department, to make those kinds of decisions. The court that happens in secret. The, the secret fight, that's who we want making these important, obviously, yeah. obviously. NSA unilaterally deciding, so what are we going to access and what are we not going to access? That shouldn't be for us. I just believe that this is achievable. And we'll have to work our way through it. That's, well, it's nice to know, have a belief, isn't well, it? It's really – it makes you feel good Mr. when you Rogers, believe in something. Mr. Rogers, of course this is a, achievable. That We've never questioned the technical ability. The, the problem that we've all had an issue with is once you open the door, you can't shut it again. And, and that's the biggest problem. You know, I mean I, I bet everybody listening to the show would be totally cool with it if we fully trusted the government. <laughs> but – there's no way you could keep this secure. No yeah. way. The problem is is that technology is not a stagnant product. It's not like putting a back door into a car. <laughs> That's not a really good analogy. No. Because the thing is is that um, we have done this before in the past. The NSA specifically has weakened certain standards so that way they could gain access. And as time moves on and technology improves right. – New new capabilities come along, and now people are able to exploit those weaknesses um, as if it was designed for them. And that's the fundamental thing about technology is it continues to get more complex. It continues to be able to do more. I mean, eventually, one day, we're going to have quantum computers even, and all of this encryption debate is going to go out the window. We're going to have to rewrite all of this. It just constantly is changing. And so when you build for how it is today and when you're moving at the speed of government, you're guaranteed to design a system that has flaws. For us. I just believe that this is achievable, and we'll have to work our way through it. And I am the first to acknowledge there's international implications to this. I think we can work our way through this. So you, I, I, you I must think, really think this is important. Or, or I also think that if, if maybe his mode of thinking is, oh, if we're first, we can set the ground rules on this first, and then you know we'll. Yeah, that could know, be part of it. Yep, yeah, definitely could be part of it. And I think part of it's like he, he's got to he's got to believe, quote unquote, believe. That, that people just don't want to do it, that it's possible, but they don't want to do it. That's got to be the other thought process. It's like we have to be the first to do it, and it's possible they just don't want to do it. And once we do do it, then they're going to see how much they can gather, all that information, all that tasty goodness. Nummy, 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 nummy. And then they're going to want to do the same. You, you do believe that then we should build those for other countries if they pass laws? I said I think we you can, can work, work through our it. way through this. So I'm sure the Chinese and Russians are going to have the same opinion, sir. So I said I think <laughs> we can work our way through this. Okay. Nice to meet you. Thanks. <laughs> That's good public debate we're having there, isn't it? I, I got to say, at least it was cordial yeah. and, and at least the you know Mr. Rogers there you know, was did respond. Yeah, in fact, he goes even... I mean, this is his job, right? He This is the post-Snowden NSA director. His job is to make the NSA look like it's a legitimate part of our military branch. It's like doing a real job. That's that's. So he's... A huge part of his job is is this. 
Thank you for asking the question. I mean, there's going to be some areas where, you know, we're going to have different perspectives. It doesn't bother me at all. But, you know, uh, but it's, it's like a it's like a user that doesn't understand anything about an operating system or technology saying, yeah, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, but you don't know how it works. Well, but also the same thing is at the end of the day, he honestly doesn't care about what some guy is going to say stepping up to the microphone. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, he doesn't answer the, that person. And uh, encrypted Which or not, is, they're going to still know. try to get it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, he wants the data if it's encrypted or not. He doesn't care, and, and his, so just make his job easier. And his world class team of crypto, you know, analysts are already trying to make tools right now, make new tools right now. It's already happening. All right, let's shift gears and uh, go from uh, the NSA part of the government to the White House part of the government. And a former Trump aide pled guilty just as we were going on the air last. Now week. reporting, George Stephanopoulos. George. George, the, they, the, 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 the folks at home don't like it when George comes on and does this. Good afternoon. For those of you watching General Hospital, it will be played uh. entirety after this break. We do have breaking news now. It's in the Russian investigation led by special counsel Robert Mueller. And we have learned that the former deputy campaign chairman of the Trump campaign, Rick Gates, has gone into court. You see him right there and is now pleading guilty to two counts of conspiracy and false statements in the Russia probe. He had been indicted, charged with several counts of fraud, conspiracy against the United States, money laundering, and false statements. But he has decided now to cooperate with the special counsel, plead <laughs> yeah. guilty. Yeah, you know why he decided to, huh. to cooperate? What is it? Because he knew he was facing life in prison. Yeah, well, and also, this <laughs> and is... And he has information that they want. This is just what I was going to say. He's yeah. probably got info. And even if it's not huge, like big, it could be, could not be. But even if it's just if it's just info that helps them, that's that's a value they're willing to trade. They One thing, if you go look at past history, they don't make deals unless they're going to get something of substantial value. It depends on the investigation. I tend to agree. Like in the case, not to bring this up, this is, I hate it when this happens, but like just for example, take the Hillary email investigation. They pardoned a fuck ton of her team with nothing in exchange. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like a, like her lawyer, like a bunch of people. Pardoned? Uh, what's her face? Well, you said pardoned. Yeah, like, yeah, like, or whatever it was. In order for your testimony, there will be no charges, whatever you call it. Well, but, that. but the, the, this is not that instance, though. The, he's getting charges. He's pleading guilty right, to yeah, conspiracy. Okay. Well, what is so. it called? Is it that a pardon? Uh, a plea bargain? That's what it was. Yeah, that's the difference. Okay. Those were plea bargains. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go more into this because obviously there's there's more to this. The yeah. new guilty plea in the Robert Mueller investigation. We have it all covered. A former top advisor to the Trump campaign. He stayed on during the transition. Rick Gates. He worked very closely with Paul Manafort today, Uh-oh. pleading guilty. And late today, after that plea, we have just learned of new charges against Paul Manafort. Yeah, the, yeah. We begin with ABC's chief investigative correspondent, Pierre Thomas, tonight. You know, the thing about Manafort is uh, he's a salesman. That's what Manafort was there for, was to sell certain things. He was pitched to Trump as an, as an outsider. He could get some hard deals done. And uh, I, I, have a, I have a suspicion, if you were in Manafort's orbit, you were probably into some shit. He's the newest face to plead guilty and now expected to cooperate with Robert Mueller. Rick Gates was Paul Manafort's close business partner. Uh-oh. But he also had close proximity to President Trump, right there on stage at the Republican National Convention. Gates was the former deputy campaign manager for Donald Trump and stayed on after Election Day working on the transition. In court today, Rick Gates pleading guilty to two felonies. With no apparent family or close friends in the room, Gates wore a suit, remained calm during the proceedings, and hence he wants a life with his children. At one point, underscoring his decision by telling the judge, I'm 45 years old, Your Honor. 
After the inauguration, he took a top position with a super PAC promoting President Trump's agenda. An insider who might know secrets within Trump world. And tonight, Paul Manafort reacting while under indictment himself. Now clearly angered by his colleague's decision, I continued to maintain my innocence. I had hoped and expected my business colleague would have had the strength to continue the battle to prove our innocence. For reasons yet to surface, he chose to do otherwise. Ouch! Yeah, Manafort's screwed. He's gonna. I think he's gonna really take this hard, and、uh, they're gonna want to stick it to him because、right. he was the guy. His last sales job before he joined Trump was he was trying to sell the Ukraine the Ukrainian government that we overthrew. To the he was trying to lobby for them, so he was working for the team that we were fighting against. So there's a bunch of people in D.C. who do not like him. All right, so I got to ask you. And actually, System T stole a little bit of the the heat out of my mouth here. Do you think Manafort is either going to a just you know fight this to the tooth and nail? They'll find him guilty or whatever, and then Trump pardons him, or b he takes a deal. Now knowing that Gates is is pleading guilty and cooperating, yeah,、hmm. it's it's a very tough call. It depends on what kind of what kind of asshole he is. Is he the <laughs> smarmy,、uh, smarmy like、uh, you know、uh, kind of rat that runs out of the building when it's collapsing kind of asshole, or is he the I did nothing wrong, I made an honest living,、uh, I've got nothing to hide kind of asshole. And it, that's a hard one. I don't have a sense. Do you have a sense? It's it's tough because I think Manafort. Has been the guy who's just been thumbing his nose up the entire process. He remember he did that.、Uh, what was it? An editorial、uh, under a pseudonym.、Uh, you know, he's he he put out this statement. I think he's going to fight under the end because I think this is what I think he's he's going to he's hoping for the pardon. I think he's hoping for for the president. Uh, to help him out. See, he might. Okay, so you. Okay, so you read book that he's going for the pardon. I'm I think gonna, he's going for it. I don't know if Trump will do it. Yeah, I. I think that's what he, maybe、yeah. he's hoping for. I'm going to read book. I don't think Trump would. I think Trump would say he would, and then he probably. <laughs> oh, you mean he'll do the old? You know, I like him. He's a very good guy, huh? No, I've never known、But、Paul.、I'm, I never I, met that. Then two weeks later, never met Paul before. I don't never, know who he is. He's never been in my campaign. <laughs> he's never been there. No, you know what、yeah. I think is going to、yeah. happen? Yeah. Is if you think about it, see. If they go too far into this, they're basically just going to expose a whole bunch of stuff, like the Podesta group. Like if you dig too far, you realize that Paul Manafort was working with people that are associated with Tony Podesta,、that、brother, right? Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if it wouldn't be in Paul's best interest to take a deal, so that way the investigation doesn't kind of expose this dirty underside of what's very common in D.C. The only problem in trying to take the deal, though, is they know about the Podesta brother, right? They know about that. So if, if but if but but if Manafort takes the deal, then doesn't the investigation kind of end? And well, they could just say, okay, think, well, we don't even look maybe, into that. Maybe they would only offer the deal if they would get that info. Otherwise, why offer the deal? They got to get、yeah. something substantial. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go. You don't want to go turn over the whole system because then、uh, nobody's making money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they can't go too far. <laughs> yeah, but they got to go far enough to, to get their blood. Uh, speaking of getting blood, the Dems finally got their、uh, memo out and tried to get a little more blood out of that stone. Breaking news: ten pages of political dust-up and a world of speculation now over. The Democratic rebuttal memo is out. This document is a bullet-by-bullet retort to the Nunes memo, which the president views as his vindication 
and proof that uh, the Obama administration unfairly targeted him as a candidate. Uh, our White House correspondent, uh, Boris Sanchez, is standing by. We also have CNN Justice correspondent Evan Perez, who is uh, pouring through the document. I want to first go... Uh, pouring to... through the document. It's 10 pages. Boris, who is live at the White House right now. And uh, Boris, as I understand it, you have a statement now from the White House about this memo. What can you share? <laughs> hey there, Ryan. Yeah, we just got this from uh, <laughs> Sarah I, Sanders. Let me make person. a prediction. They, they think it's uh, lame, stupid, yeah. uh, Well, that's true. coming. That's yeah, coming. The first statement was like, no, we wanted this, Doc. At the White House, she says that... Uh, quote, while the Democrats' memorandum attempts to undercut the president politically, the president supported its release in the interest of transparency. Which uh, we covered last week um, and, and how that was getting punted around. But uh, Trump did take to tweeters. The other major headline involving the White House, President Trump now slamming the newly declassified Democratic memo on the Russian probe that rebuts the GOP document released weeks ago. It comes as the Russian investigation enters a critical new week. ABC's David Wright is at the White House. Tonight, the debate over the newly declassified memo on the Russia probe, written by the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. Why is that not a bigger deal? Why? So the Republican memo, the Nunes memo, wasn't written by Devin Nunes. In fact, it was co-written by Trey Gowdy and another individual, I'm blanking on his name, and then like this whole memo group that they have, that their whole job, your tax dollars hard at work, is to write memos. So... They do that, and then this one is just is written by Sheriff Woody. Why is that not a thing? Why is that's odd to me? Maybe it's not wrong, but it sure seems odd. Has descended into schoolyard taunts. He's a bad guy, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly the memo was a nothing. Nothing what? Oh, oh, he didn't go to the he burger. Didn't say it. Yeah. President Trump not just calling Fox News, but misquoting the network too. On Twitter, the president attributes this quote to Fox News. Congressman Schiff omitted and distorted key facts. But listen closely to what the Fox yeah, News reporter actually said. Congressman uh, Schiff, he argues the Republican memo omitted and distorted key facts. So Schiff says the Republican memo. Um, so, OK, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about this memo a little bit. This clip will go a little bit into the memo itself. Tonight, the Democrats get their counterpunch, their much anticipated memo declassified. Now, uh, one one big difference between the two That's memos get- is um, and there's a difference in how they originated. This memo was filtered through the Justice Department, FBI more. And so it has significantly more redactions. Yes. To the point where it's really kind of unsatisfying to read. At their counterpunch, their much anticipated memo declassified. The original Republican memo really was dubbed a nothing burger for good reason. Ten pages with some secret information still blacked out. Some. Now public. Challenging a Republican-made allegation of partisan bias at the Justice Department. So the memo, um, again, sort of disappointingly, sort of anticlimactically, is really just a 10-page rebuttal for the most part. It's almost entirely just a rebuttal. See, when when Schiff first started talking about their own memo, it sounded like it was something that existed prior to – like the two memos were created at the same time and they voted to release the Democrat memo – or to but the, they, the but Republican. They would, but they, they wouldn't w- release theirs, right? But their memo is entirely a response to the Republican memo. So that can't really be the original origin because you wouldn't have been able to write the Democratic memo without the Republican memo existing. So there weren't two coexisting memos like like was said – because this is 100% a rushed, complete response to a point that's really kind of unsatisfying for me because nothing new is introduced other than one little fact that uh, they began their investigation 
before they had the, the Steely dossier. Um, before they really had any hard evidence, actually, um, they began their investigation. In fact, you might remember Diane Feinstein was quoted as, well, we have to start the investigation so we know what to investigate. Um, and that is actually in the memo. That's the new piece of information in the memo is that they have a timeline that is before the dossier hit their desks. So they're, and that's their way of saying, hey, look, this dossier couldn't have been the whole reason why we started because we started a couple of months earlier. That's what's new. But otherwise, it's almost a point by point attempt to rebut um, old Devin here. It was a surprise announcement from the GOP chairman applauded at a conservative conference tonight. What you're not going to see is anything that actually rejects what was in our memo. Yeah, by, the, by the way, I'm really biased against that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he really, I'm sorry. He grinds your, speaking of grinding gears, right? I mean, he totally does. Um, so I don't think I totally agree with that um, characterization either. It it does attempt to counter some points, um, but it is it is no more um, weighty or authoritative than the Republican memo. It's their interpretation of events. Uh, they they. They do say – one of the things they say is – one of the things they do sort of a kind of rebut is they reframe the way uh, the Trump memo, the, or the Trump dossier was sold to the FISA court. They admit – their version of of the uh, request to get surveillance of like Manafort, yeah. their version is, is that they did disclose that the dossier was publicly funded. They didn't disclose who was publicly funded, funding it but they did say it was – it was politically motivated in its creation. They say they told the FISA court that. The Republican memo says they didn't tell the FISA court that. That's the major differences in facts. Those are – in a 10-page memo, that's the major fact that they dispute. Well, they have that and that they started the investigation a couple of months before they had yeah, the, the dossier. Yeah. 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 Democrats argued the Department of Justice followed the rules fairly in the Russia investigation. Democrats say the FBI had ample reason to believe Trump campaign aide Carter Page was acting as an agent for Russia when they sought surveillance on him. They also dispute Republicans' claims of partisan bias about a key informant, former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele. Dossier boy. When Steele's salacious dossier about candidate Trump dossier. was presented to the FISA court. Dossier. Democrats insist the FISA court was told that Steele was, quote, hired by politically motivated U.S. persons, though not specifically that the DNC and Clinton campaign had paid him. They are advocating that it's okay for the FBI and DOJ to use political dirt paid for by one campaign and use it against the other campaign. That is, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. They are essentially saying, yeah, it's politically motivated and we're still okay with using it. Um, And that doesn't feel like that's, that that kind of stuff doesn't feel like it has a proper place in like a real genuine like investigation like it seems obvious it's it's sort of like it's sort of like um just just sort of I mean, grasping at straws but well, let me ask you why this, not why not uh, there's just I, I mean why not go all the other routes well, like, let me like ask Manafort. you this question in a general sense why I mean, ha- why involve the dossier at all i guess right. is where i'm going i mean dossier i mean that's the thing right if there is actual evidence of a crime or evidence of shenanigans or however you want to phrase it. Yeah, you got Carter Page or, you know, you, it's like why include it at all unless you needed it to tip the FISA scales? Right. Or were they just trying to throw everything out there? Maybe, maybe. And it's, it's one of those things that uh, we can only they got to be more savvy than that, though. Right. Like these are these are this is what their job. This is their damn job. Their damn job is to do this thing right. That's like that's their job. And they're. 
And then you go with this. I mean, you, they know who Hillary Clinton is. They know they know how these things work. It's not like they're new to this game. It just it maybe, seems really maybe, short sighted. Or, or or maybe playing the game of well, I don't maybe, think they ever maybe, thought it'd come out. That <laughs> that or. Man, maybe uh, 80, 90 percent of this might be fluff, but there's that 10 percent in there yeah, that yeah. is true. And, you know, that's one of the things where they, they probably weigh the evidence where they go like, all right, here's what we have in front of us. Yeah, we have to you know bear in mind that there's some bias here because of the fact of where it's coming from. Seems really risky. However, yeah, it's risky. It's really undermining this whole but thing. Th- there could be nuggets in there. And that's that's the part like we don't know. I guess what I would I mean what do I know but it just yeah. seems like I would I would think that if you if we could if we could grab an, if we could go in the DeLorean and go back and remove this this dossier from existence would have gotten approved right uh would it have gotten approved and if it had gotten and say it did let's just for the sake of argument say they go to FISA court still gets approved the democratic position would look a lot more legitimate like this wasn't a political witch hunt if they weren't using a politically funded document you know, like if you remove this dossier, it's all of a sudden a way more legitimate process. Well, then the argument is if if they honestly did know that it was a politically motivated document, what kind of weight did they put on it? If they put a large amount of weight on a politically motivated document, then we have huge questions, huge ones. You, you got to I mean, logic would say that they must have felt it was required to get it through FISA. That's what logic would say. It's like you don't put that on there unless it's if it's like the, if it's what that's what tips the scale. Right. To use political dirt paid for by one campaign and use it against the other campaign. The top Democrat, Adam Schiff, says the American people deserve to hear from both sides. These attacks on the hardworking people at the Bureau are a real disservice to them, and they're designed to undermine Bob Mueller. I don't think he's actually all the attacks are pretty much on on you, Adam. They're not really on Bob. They're they're not really on the staff. Actually, they're they're pretty much on you, (laughs) as a matter of fact. So I actually I don't really go. This is he's really kind of deferring here because I mean, first of all nobody's going to disagree with this. With you should hear from both sides. Only a moron would disagree with that statement. So he leads with something that nobody's going to disagree with, and then he follows it up know, with he's he's moving the goalpost. Well, you know, while I agree with you, you know, you, I hate this guy. This guy triggers me. I, I, this is I, my Devin News. I, I, <laughs> I know you love this guy so much. Well, I I agree that. Anybody would say, I want to hear from both sides. Yeah, it's obvious. It's but, an obvious thing to say. Hold on. But you have people that are deeply rooted one way or the other. And they may say, I want to hear from both sides. But in actuality, they they hear from the other side, but they don't listen. And they listen to one side and don't hear. And so that that's inherent in the issue. I mean, you can always say it, but it just seems like. Right. Um, I, and I, okay, I hear maybe this is maybe I should have said this. He's arguing two things that nobody else is arguing. Like you don't, you won't go anywhere on television and see somebody right now saying we shouldn't release both memos. Now that the Republican, went, as soon as the Republican memo went out, pretty much unanimously, everybody's like, "Yeah, release the other one." That's not really been a big point of contention. Well, the, the point then, of contention was the detail was was yes, the information right, absolutely but, yes. But once the Democratic or I mean, once the Republican memo was out, it was like, "Yeah, release the Democrats." That that has kind of been a consensus, and then also the attacks have mostly been on him. And the investigation that he is running, not really on Mueller. In fact, Mueller has been pretty much getting praise from both sides, except well, and then, but that's where I he's have arguing a, false but premises. But that's where I have a big beef with Nunes, and it all goes back to freaking last April because of him doing the end around and do, uh, doing the end around to the White House. That yeah. that kind of that kind of shit is like all right. If you're that really, kind of shift, <laughs> that kind of shift. 
really chaps my hide because it's like if if honestly if you're trying to keep this above board and you're trying to do a legitimate investigation and you know you're you're conscious about both sides and you want to get to the truth and all these great lines that they throw then you don't do the end round big big kitties don't do that well big kitties reminding us too remember john remember how john mccain was involved with all of this and the fbi all right now i hate to relitigate this for like the third time and the fourth time in the show but my thinking on that devin nunes situation is you're sitting there you're looking at these 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 bits of information you realize that Adam Schiff is totally playing a game here. You you realize that John McCain's in it. Well, crap! That's somebody. That's that's a big guy on the left. We got a, the biggest guy on the right. Uh, the FBI is involved. There's this paid for dossier. I mean, if I'm if I if all of this shit's coming to light to me, I, I, I what would what do you do when you realize? Oh man, this is the the whole thing's thrown. Schiff's Schiff is thrown. This this dossier is a bullcrap paid for dossier. The FBI's involved. John McCain's involved. The Clinton campaign's been funding it through this lawyer's office. The DNC's involved. Like, what do you do with that information when you discover that? Like, you got to do something. Like, maybe you do go to Trump and say. Holy shit, boss! Yeah, like look at all this stuff. Look at all this. This is this is incredible. But, and but the, the problem doing that is your optics. I mean, yeah, you, I agree. You blow your optics. That's what I'm saying about the dossier. I know. That's yeah. the same thing. I know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this whole thing is a shit show, isn't it? It's yes. Yeah, it's all a shit show. It really is a political shit show to keep it going until the elections. You know, I was actually thinking about that earlier. It's like they, they're. I feel like they're intentionally trying to. Yeah. Trying to delay. To delay. To delay the investigation to get to the next election. This is like a mid-season story arc, so that way they have the season finale. They can stretch it out until the season finale. But that's where Moeller, you know, he always shows up. He's like, sprinkle a little here, sprinkle a little here. He's always like, remember, I'm making this legitimate. This guy's screwed. Yeah. I've, Guilty. I've, these people, these 13 <laughs> Russians are indicted. Like, he's doing little signals to say his investigation is legitimate. Yeah. Says the American people deserve to hear from both sides. These attacks on the hardworking people at the Bureau are a real disservice to them. And they're designed to undermine Bob Mueller. They're designed to distract focus from the Russia investigation. I wouldn't say designed to distract. I would, I would counter That's always that. his line. That's I know, always his but line. I would counter it as designed to delay. I, I would yeah, say, I like that. I, I, because I do feel like it does try to... Th- Throw a bump in it. Yep. Try to delay things. Yep. Yeah, I do like that. That is that's interesting. So uh, McCaskill has been um, on the camera a lot recently, and she just had this really. Well, this is the problem I have. Like, we can't have any serious conversation in our government about what the actual threats might be. We have these phony uh, sit downs where you you get on a panel, you're the head of the NSA, and you just answer these questions that are just designed to give the politicians the exact answers they want. I'm going to try to channel. Um a woman who came up to me at the grocery store not too long ago. This is Representative McCaskill talking to, um, again, the NSA director. She asked me a simple question. Is Russia at war against our democracy? Is Russia at war against our democracy? I thought we were a republic. What would you have said to her in the grocery store? What the fuck kind of question is that? This is a rep- an elected representative asking the head of the fucking NSA. This is the kind of quality questions. I'm going to play this again because this is the most dingbat, stupid question. Question who came? Let's go all the way back. I'm going to try to channel. Yeah. Um, a woman who came up to me at the grocery store not too long ago. Like she, like she goes to the grocery store. My stupid bald ass. She asked me a simple question: Is Russia at war against our democracy? 
Yeah. First of all, so you meet your representative in this grocery store, which doesn't happen at all, and you go up to her, and the first thing you say to her is, uh, ma'am, is Russia at war against our democracy? But this is a pile of bullshit that is designed to create a certain optics to get a certain answer that she wants. What would you have said to her in the grocery store? Too bad Rogers is such a grouch. Uh, well, a war is by definition has a specific legal document aspect to it. I'm not a lawyer. What I would probably say to her is the Declaration of Congress is what you're going for. There shouldn't be any doubt. We're in a competition with these guys, and they are trying to use every tool they have to gain advantage. And some of that advantage they want to gain is by undermining our very institutions. Fuck the EU. That's a lot of words. I said yes. No. <laughs> Isn't she? She's a real sophisticated uh, kind of gal. Our very institutions. Yeah, but she said, of- but she said yes. Which which is yeah, we're at war. Yeah, we're, we're at war. war. This is this. These are the people in our government, and this is the kind and, of these. And, this is the dialogue they're having, and that and that's the thing, right? We're going to extremes instead of being able to talk to yeah, somebody exactly. and, and say, "Well, we're not at war, but this is what is happening. This is what is going on." We have to take it to the extreme because what do you picture in your head, Chris, when I say the word we're at war? I picture people dying. I picture like really, really dark stuff. And when it's Russia, I picture nukes. I, I picture really bad things too. Yeah. And I, and I think words matter and we need to stop getting away from using extreme words and actually just describe what the hell's going on. Well, and what if, what if a Russian government representative was going around on television? That's saying on television and, and saying we're at war with the United States. You don't think that we would just freak the shit out about that? That would be blasted all over CNN. Yeah. And of course they'd be just immediately dial it down. they'd be <laughs> connected to Putin immediately. Yeah. They'd be immediately like uh, a, a, a civilian connected to Vladimir Putin said that they're the Russia's at war with the United States. Well this kind of rhetoric is dangerous. You know that was, that's what would happen. Yeah. Um speaking of dangerous rhetoric, the uh the Trump book that uh, I, I read, it came out early. I wanted to see if this was I wanted to get a sense of it. My takeaway was portions of it were true. But lots of portions of it were not true. And then the more and more I've watched interviews of Michael Wolff, I've realized this guy is a charlatan. And um, he's had a couple of doozies. About uh, two weeks ago, he got kicked off of Morning Joe. Really? Yeah. Mika kicked him off the show. They stopped the segment and kicked him off because he, wow. he was giving her such bullshit answers. But – and that, but that didn't, that didn't cross the threshold into playing on the show for me because, I, you know what? We're done. We've moved on. But then this doozy happened this week. And this, Chase, because you and I, we love to watch this stuff from a production angle. This is a real doozy. And unfortunately, it really shows you the guy behind this book, Fire and Fury, not a credible author. You said during a TV interview just last month that you are absolutely sure that Donald Trump is currently having an affair while president behind the back of the first lady. So this um, is an Australian television program interviewing Michael Wolf, and this is how he's been staying in the news is by dropping hints. He first did it on Bill Maher that Trump is actively having an affair currently and uh, that he witnessed it. But now for the last couple of weeks since that Bill Maher interview, he's been trying to walk that back because the person he insinuated was having an affair went on a full attack against Wolf, calling him delegitimate, saying it's not true. All of this, uh, which is where the uh, Morning Joe stuff came in. So watch Wolf closely, who looks like Dr. Evil. Watch him closely <laughs> as soon as he starts, as soon as our host starts talking about the affair. OK, Donald Trump is currently having an affair while president behind the back of the first lady. And I repeat, you said you were absolutely sure. Hold, hold, Just I, last week, yeah, however, you backflipped. And said, I quote, I do not know if the president is having an affair. Do you owe the president and the first lady an apology, Mr. Wolf? 
I, I can't hear you. So then why did you wait till he stopped talking? Just last month, you Hello? said you were absolutely sure that the president was having an affair. The host isn't buying it either. The host just keeps going. And now you say I'm, that I'm he not is getting, not. I'm not getting anything. You're not hearing me, Mr. Wolf. If you listen really oh, carefully, I, I you just, just heard, heard it. it. Yeah, you just heard it. I heard it in his IFB. Uh-huh. And the host probably heard it, too. And by the way, I, now, I, now remember, Australia on the left, yeah. London on the right. right. You're going to have to give maybe five A to delay. ten seconds of delay. Yeah. If you rewind it back. I just did, yeah. To the point, no, no, rewind it back even farther to the point where when he mentioned the affair, the affair, he, you see him react. Just, just count to yourself about five, ten seconds. Yeah, here, I'll, here and then right. watch, watch his reaction because he Last heard month it. That you are absolutely sure that Donald Trump is currently having an affair One, while president two, behind the back of the first three. lady. Yeah, right that's there. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's it right yeah. there. So okay, so then it was. Just last month, you Hello? said you were absolutely. Now listen carefully. You'll actually hear the IFB come back. Absolutely sure that the president was having an affair, and now you say I'm, that I'm he not is not. Getting, I'm not getting anything. You're not hearing me, Mr. Wolf. You're not I'm hearing not me, Mr. Anything. Wolf. It's, we that's actually a really good delay. Yeah, it is. Now watch this. He, keep, keep, he keeps doubling down on it. Wolf doesn't relent. Just before. You're not hearing I'm me, not Mr. Wolf? And the, the host says, we just tested this just before. You were hearing me then. It was fine. You're not. We were hearing each other no. well just before. You're not hearing I'm me, not Mr. Wolf? Do you, do you hear? I'm, I'm not. Do you hear the text? Does the text yeah. say, yeah, he is? Yeah. Do you hear the text say that? Do you, do you hear? I'm, I'm not. Mr. I'm Wolf not was hearing anything. me before, but he's not hearing me. Anymore, so I'm it not looks hearing like anything. All right, man. Oh, oh, come on, uh, man. Michael. Now, you might be able to confirm. Did you know that uh, some television stations actually record what's in the IFB? Of course. So here's that feed. He said during a TV interview. This is the feed that was being played into his... Unless there was an actual hold on. physical break. There was a physical issue right. between the pack yep. and the earpiece. But you saw him react. And yes. listen, watch his body language here. This is now in sync. Absolutely sure that Donald Trump is currently having an affair while president. You see how he immediately I goes told for you, it? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, immediately, and uh, oh, and and that was dude. what we were hearing. Yeah, the back of the first lady, and, I- and then he gets out and he just walks out. He walks out of the interview while they're live. He gets out now, and he is about to take off on a speaking tour. So I think we will leave it there. <laughs> Wow. So the guy's a wow. The guy's a phony. Unfortunately, he's a phony, uh, and which is fine. You know, when I read the book, a lot of it didn't read as true to me. Uh, but you, you just got to wonder, like, how did that jackass get in there? Then, if he's such a charlatan and a phony, how did the hell did he get in there? Wow, look at that! Look at that Photoshop of him looking like Doctor Evil. Is that not a total? That's really good. Actually. That's really good. That really looks like it. Damn. Anyways, this is not that was funny. Let's talk about uh, let's. We want to talk about the shooting that was uh, in Parkside down in Florida, but I want to I want to talk about the the way it's been really different. Unfilter has unfortunately seen quite a bit of these, and I don't think I've ever really seen um, a response quite like this. I'll get into what I'm talking about here in a moment, but let's start let's start with the story that's coming out now. Been sort of evolving for the last couple of days that perhaps several deputies remained outside during the Douglas High School shooting. As officers from local police departments rushed to the shooting at Stoneman Douglas High, our sources say three Broward Sheriff's deputies remained outside the freshman building, where most of the shooting took place. Yikes. It is not clear why. In fact, uh, 
producer Matt and I have seen a couple of reports too that they may have even prevented some EMTs from entering in at first because of we don't know why. I mean, I'm sure they must have been concerned about their safety. Uh, yeah, or something. is isn't it the procedure they have to quote clear the building first yeah. or something? something yeah, like but that? damn. The sheriff's office did not respond to our request for comment. When we realized that there were people in place that might have had a way to prevent this and then people that at the scene didn't do all they could, it's just heartbreaking and uh, I'm angry. The new revelation comes just days after Broward Sheriff Scott Israel announced the school's armed guard did not go into the school building either. What matters is that when we in law enforcement arrive at an active shooter, We go in and address the target. Sheriff Scott Israel has had a bad week. He's had a bad week. Uh, And uh, of course I won't resign. The last question, sir. Do you think that if the Broward Sheriff's Office had done things differently, this shooting might not have happened? Listen, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson would still be in the record books. I don't know. Who the hell told him to say that? This is either one of this guy's go-tos or he planned that. And that is so damn insensitive. That 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 is terrible. And it all, that's not even the right word. And it also triggers use. Jake here because it's like it's it's not taking Jake seriously. It's like not taking his questions seriously. It's a very serious question. Yeah. Butts were candy and nuts. Uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson would still be in the record books. I don't know what that I means. There's 17 dead people and there's an, a whole long list of things your department could have done differently. How could I? Listen, uh, that's what that's what uh, after action reports are. That's for lessons learned reports are for. We I I have entered into conversation with Chuck Wexler of the Police Executive Research Forum. They will be coming to town to do an independent after action lessons learned report. This guy is really just toned after the whole situation and it plays off. So do you think that if the Broward Sheriff's Office. Oh, here, let me let me jump in. This is a compilation cut. I just want to play a couple of his beatings that he took on that. We won't play all of these because there's a lot of different cuts here long list of things your department could have done differently I'm, I'm the sheriff my name's on the door the people responsible are the ones who took the calls and didn't follow up on him jake <laughs> whoa whoa like you think he's going one way and then he totally takes a turn a 180 oh, well, first off you're the poli- <laughs> you're, you're the sheriff you're, you're the sheriff of broward county it all comes back to you you ever watch an episode of Star Trek? Like, and you, ever, you ever seen Picard go? You know, I'm responsible. Here. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm responsible for my crew. Like when? Wow. Yep. I know. All right. So I want to play that oh again because it's such a beautiful 180. Like he's mid sentence, and you think you know where it's going, and you think he's about to take responsibility. I'm the sheriff. My name's on the door. Right, so See, stop. Right there. Stop. Stop. Right you there. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think like you know what? He's gonna the dog. The buck stops here. You know it's with me. It's the ultimate and, responsibility. And you know what? I am responsible for my crew. The people responsible are the ones who took the calls and uh, didn't follow up on him. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got to go now. Now, this I don't, no I don't good. know. I don't know about Broward County, but is are they an elected sheriff's office or are they appointed? I don't know because if they're an elected, someone should I, Google that for us. I, I have a feeling <laughs> that he's acting more like a politician than he is a law enforcement yeah, officer. Yeah, and that's Jake, cool. I can only take responsibility for what I knew about. I exercise my my due diligence. I've given amazing leadership. To- <laughs> Oh, man, you don't say that either. Oh, my God. You don't do that. To this agency. Amazing leadership. Uh, I've oh, worked <laughs> triggered. Yes, Jake. Deputies make mistakes. Police officers make mistakes. We Whoa, all make mistakes. No, but it's stop. not the responsibility of the general or the president if you have a deserter. I'm- oh, my God. So, yeah. I'm not going to tell you that other Broward Sheriff's deputies didn't go in when they should have, but I'm not going to say the opposite either. <laughs> this guy's all over the place. Bad week for the sheriff. I... I- 
I have a feeling that he didn't. Is is he is he born and bred in that department? Did he transfer in from somebody else? I don't know, man. I, I just it's t- to me, it just reads as typical. Unfortunately, it reads typical to me. Wow, I I, I I I can definitely see why. I mean, with with those kind of comments from from the chief or the sheriff, you could see how kids are becoming engaged in Florida because of that. I mean, it's all you got to do is just play that. Just play it. 10, uh, 10 says that he, is, he was elected. It's an elected position. Mm-hmm. And that tells me right there he's trying to save his job. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He has no empathy. Zero. He's probably, but he's an amazing leader. So yeah, problem cause, solved. Because he says so. Problem solved. What an arrogant a-hole. All right. So. Oh, my God. Now, the things that I didn't expect to see happen just because it's never happened before, but there is actually some movement. It's not really on the government side of things, though. All right, so the question has been as fundamental as it has been ignored. What can we do to stop the shootings? There was an intense focus on government early on. Maybe that was misplaced because we've seen more and stronger action from the private sector than we have from government. The latest is a big headline. Dick's Sporting Goods making a big announcement this morning in the wake of the Florida high school massacre. The retailer will stop selling assault-style rifles and will no longer sell high-capacity magazines. What do you think of that? I think a private company uh, can, you know, because they are accountable to their shareholders, their employees. They look at their bottom line. They know they're going to take a hit on this. And I, and I feel that, you know, they are more than welcome to make those decisions. Mm. Whether or not, you know, people may disagree with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with them. However, this is their right. And... More and more, I think it was the either the New York Times, Washington Post, I don't know who did the story, but talking about how companies are getting more and more engaged in yeah. social issues. I can see this becoming and, uh, like something that takes off. Yeah, and it's one of those things. I mean, you're already seeing it with Delta that's happening in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Is Atlanta, Georgia area? So I think, you know what? I'm not a huge Dick's shopper. I've bought a hat there. I know that there are hunters and, and sportsmen you know what? This is their decision. I know, uh, you know what? Thanks, what? See, I was just going to mention that. Walmart did this, remember, yeah. with the whole ammo situation and yeah. stuff? So, yeah. you know what? That's so, more power to them. All right. So, let's shift, let's shift to Trump. This has been the first mass shooting we've had since Trump has been president. And, uh, I mean, I was wondering when he became president, how was Trump going to handle these events? What, what, would, be, what would be Trump's response and um, what actions would he take? And it's kind of been all over um, – I watched today, I watched a live stream, They're do, they, they had another session today about creating some legislation, and it sounds like he's going to take executive action on bump stocks. So let's wait and talk about that next week, or actually in a couple weeks since we won't be here next week. Um, and let's instead, let's talk about what Trump said recently about the NRA. Fifth, we must strive to create a culture in our country that cherishes life and condemns violence and embraces dignity. Now, with all of that... Oh, okay. All right. This, uh, <laughs> by the way... I- We've analyzed it before, so that's the only reason why I'm bringing this up now. Does he his voice sounds different? Yeah, it sounds a little bit different. Could be the mic. Could be. I'm just I'm, I. We always analyze that, so I just want to could throw be, that out there. Could be the collar's too tight. Maybe he's thirsty, dehydrated. Over the weekend, I cannot believe the press didn't find this out. I can't believe it. I think they're getting a little bit. I could never use the word lazy. You don't want to say that. We don't want to give them any more enthusiasm than they already have. But I can't believe they didn't figure this one. Because I had lunch with Wayne LaPierre, Chris Cox, and David Lehman of the NRA. 
And I want to tell you, they want to do something. And I said, fellas, we got to we got to do something. something. It's too long now. We got to do something. And we're going to do very strong background checks. Very strong. We've got to do background checks. If we see a sicko, I don't want him having a gun. And, you know, I know there was sicko. a time when anybody could have. I mean, even if they were sick, they were fighting. And I said – He told the uh, people he was meeting with today, uh, senators one night, he said, you're all afraid of the NRA. Um, but he's also, he's also um, talked, a little, talked a little tough, you know, said that uh, maybe he would have handled things differently. From President Trump on the Parkland school shooting, hypothetical heroics. I think I, I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. The president. <laughs> yeah, maybe he would. Yeah, yeah, let's, you know. Maybe he would. I think there are things better left unsaid. <laughs> Maybe he because, would. Because because if, if he really felt that way, he, he you know, he would have uh, tried to be involved with our military and not get out. Uh, oh, she's going I, there. President I, I, Trump I'm saying, on the Parkland school shooting. Oh, man. Hypothetical heroics. I think I, I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. The president piling on, criticizing. Sorry, I, don't, I don't believe him. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't know who's to say. Who's to say? I don't know either. But uh, there is there is something actually happening. Our students tonight. Safe. President Trump vowing to take action after the Florida school massacre. So I think you're going to see some executive action from Trump. And uh, he was sitting next to Dianne Feinstein and Republicans and a whole bunch of people today saying you should work with this person. You should work with this person. Will it be successful? Who knows? But he's trying to take the – he's trying to create the optics of taking a leadership role. In fact, that's what everybody kept saying. Mr. President, you're really taking a leadership role on this in the meeting today. Which White House sources say impacted him personally. We must do more to protect our children. We have to do more to protect our children. The president asking for regulations banning bump stocks. The device is allowing some guns to shoot hundreds of rounds per minute. The president had already called for a review of bump stocks after they were used by the Las Vegas shooter. I expect that these critical regulations will be finalized, Jeff, very soon. Under fire from victims to do more. Now, um, you see that Jeff uh, mentioned in there. Him and Jeff Sessions. Him and old Jeff Sessions going at it again. Uh... I I guess he's coming down harder on guns than I thought he would. Not to say that a lot's changing, but I I honestly didn't expect anything to happen, right? So the fact that something's going to happen with bump stocks and the fact that he's encouraging, I, but the thing though is I I don't he's encouraging it because I don't think a, an executive order would work in this instance. No, it sounds like it's going to be regulations and an executive order. It's going to be like a combo package thing that he says will avoid Congress. H- however, however, it's one it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, Yes, it was used during the Las Vegas shooting, right? Uh, I don't think it was used during the Florida shooting. It's accounted for what's the percentage, 0.05 or 1%. I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I, I personally— Yeah, but look at handguns cause yeah, more death I mean, Absolutely, yeah. No, and the one thing I was going to say is I think this is one of those mild distractions where, yes, yeah. I, I, I don't believe that there's— it's, it's, taking, it's taking some action without taking too much action. Well, or not really anything. I don't think it's going to make any kind of impact. It's it's one of those things that scores political points. And while yes, I don't believe that the this is what I believe, guys. And go ahead and you know this is just what I think. I don't believe that these devices really serve that kind of a purpose. Yeah, and I think so, that perhaps what do you what? Okay, I agree with you there. But what do you think about him saying go after the NRA, fight the NRA? I don't I don't believe him because uh, you can go and pull other sound clips and reports saying he's a member of the NRA, and, and he's a member and he's you know quoting he off says, things and he, he's he's backtracking on certain he things. He says they're going to be against us at first but then we'll convince them to be with us is what he says. I don't know. 
Uh, I, I didn't just, expect that, though, is what I'm going for. Just I, I just me, didn't expect him to talk like that. I mean, he, he keeps going back to the talking point of, you know, we need to arm teachers or we need to arm qualified personnel in schools. Right. And all I, and all I keep going back to and looking at is just normal statistics. I look at numbers. And if, if guns kept us safer in places and in schools and in other places, we have more guns in our country than per capita than anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, but, but the whole argument is that schools are a no-gun zone. There's no guns in schools, so it's, it's easy pickings. All right, so what's next? I know. I know. I know. I also – and here's where – here's I don't think – so I actually think – And it's not a gun-free zone when you have a school resource officer well, that has a, a gun anyway. This is where I'm going is I don't think this is actually – I got a little bacon about this Ooh, if you want to know my bacon. Yes, I want to hear your bacon. Uh, I don't think this is about giving guns to teachers. I think this is about getting more cops in schools. So the, the, the debate starts with let's arm our teachers and it, it ends with a compromise of, well, let's hire more cops and put them in the schools full time. Let the teachers focus on teaching and let the cops focus on protecting. That'll be the line. All right. And then what? Do you, you add metal detectors? Because Oh, absolutely. You got, medical, you got metal detectors. Barbed wire fences. You've got maybe, maybe at the very, very, very extreme, some administrative personnel armed. But what it's really going to be is a play for hiring more cops. It's going to be a jobs program for cops. Certain cops that aren't performing very well will get transferred. The, the bureau will hire new cops and move them into different positions. You'll have dumb cops walking around schools armed, and kids will have to grow up around physical authority figures around them constantly that are armed. And we're going we're gonna to create a police state right there because our children will, will grow up with armed security personnel around them while they're at school. And that's where this is going to go. That's where all this talk about arming teachers is going to go. So if you're pro-arming teachers, I hope you're okay with more cops in schools. And as somebody who was in a high school that actually, I think my senior year, brought in a cop, I fucking hated that. It was creepy to have somebody walking around the halls. The first of all, I was a cop because as a kid, I was ter- probably still terrified of cops, really. But back then, I was terrified of cops. Uh, and he had a gun, and it was really felt out of place. Little Poduck Arlington... Like, why do we need a cop walking around? Like, who's he there for? We had an open campus. Like, it just felt really awkward. And that's where this is going. We're going to have active shooter drills, more of those. Got to have more active shooter drills. Got to have more cops and more, more, more money. And and well, not only the money part, but where does it end? And I I mean this in maybe an altruistic sense, in in a bigger scope sense, where it's like, so, all right. So, yeah, then schools are secure. Oh, but then what about other spaces? And then we need to uh, – oh, then what about our train stations? And, oh, what about yeah, the open idea. areas of the airport? Let's just start homeschooling everybody. You know what? Just homeschool everybody. That's the, that's the solution is just start pulling our kids out of these schools, make these institutions start to collapse. And then what about your social skills that you, you developed during school? That is an, an, an essential part. Yeah, it used to be. But now I'm more worried about my kids being terrified constantly. I am more concerned about the schools terrifying the shit out of my kids than I am about my kids getting shot. Because um, I, I truly believe that what we have – are serious core societal issues. It's not a single issue. It's several core societal issues that have been festering for 45 years. And when certain individuals are in certain mental conditions, they are more prone to the weight of the situations that we find ourselves in. Like these children, a lot of them feel like they're living 
pointless lives and they get despaired about it and they end up going on all kinds of anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants. Can you name and I might I, I mean I'm, I'm legitimately asking because yeah. I, I think we tried I think I've asked this once before on the show but can anybody name any of the last mass shootings that was done by a child you know somebody that's under the age of say 20 um, where pharmaceuticals were not involved? I can't think of one. It always comes out that sometimes it's months later, sometimes it's weeks later, that the shooter was 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 usually on some sort of prescription. Well, what does that tell us? Does that tell us that some area of their brain that weighs the consequences of taking human life is perhaps not as active as it might be in a non-medicated person? Does it tell us that these people are already prone to be in a special situation? It, we, we have so many major problems that we have to fix before people are going to stop killing other people. And once you take away the guns, they're going to start driving people over. They're going to use knives. They're going to use bombs. They're going to use what? Poison. They want to take life. They're, take, they're going to schools and taking life because it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy. You know it. You're a kid. It's your world. It's what you know. You know you can go in there. You can get a whole bunch of people killed in a short amount of time. It's a win. You, you see that? You're a psychopath. You're a demented son of a bitch. And that's the way to go right now because that's the way you get famous. That's the way you can take a bunch of lives. As soon as you change that, they, they'll move to something else because there's core fundamental problems that have been with us for a really, really long time that are only getting worse that we're never going to solve. We're not going to fix it. And so you can take away the guns, but the fundamental fact is, is almost, and I double check me on this, you can Google it, but I think somewhere around 150,000 guns are stolen out of the backs of cops every single year. So you're going to have to clean that mess up. You've got literally tens of millions of guns that are functional, that are already in the market, that will still be there once you take away guns. Like there's millions of assault rifles out there already. Good to go. So you can't just stop selling them at Walmart and Dick's and have them disappear. So these problems are not going away, my friend. And I don't, I'm not saying arming students is the way to go, but I also don't think – or teachers, I don't think arming students is the way to go. I don't think putting more cops in schools is the way to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we got bigger problems we got to figure out. And uh, I don't think we're anywhere half – not even halfway close. We're not even within spitting distance of starting that process. Yeah. Really gets me. No, I, I yeah. So uh, Chase is fired up about uh, <laughs> Governor Inslee. If you haven't met Governor Inslee, don't, uh, oh, don't play the clip yet. Which don't one? play the clip that I sent you yet. No, no, I'm not. No, oh, okay, this is okay. this is more on the national stage. Yeah, to, yeah. Oh, to, oh yeah, this one to introduce yeah, the audience, right, yeah. perhaps if you're not familiar with yes. our governor. Now I know that you have suggested arming our teachers, and no, I just no, I no, just, not your teachers, not your arming kids. a small portion that are very gun adept that truly know how to handle because so I, have, I do feel, Governor, it's very important that gun-free zones, you have a gun-free zone, it's like an invitation for these very sick people to go there. I do think that there has to be some form of major retaliation if they're able to enter a school. And if that happens, you're not going to have any problems anymore because they're never going to the school. You're never going to have a problem. So it would just be a very small group of people that are very gun adept. Anyway, go ahead, Governor. If I may respond to that, let me just suggest whatever percentage it is, I heard at one time you might have suggested 20%, whatever percentage it is, speaking as a grandfather, right. speaking as a governor of the state of Washington, I have listened to the people who would be affected by that. I have listened to the biology teachers, and they don't want to do that at any percentage. I have listened to the first grade teachers that don't want to be pistol-packing first grade teachers. I have listened to law enforcement who have said... They don't want to have to train teachers as law enforcement agencies, which takes about six months. 
Now, I just think this is a circumstance where we need to listen that educators should educate and they should not be foisted upon this responsibility of packing heat in first grade classes. Now, I understand you have suggested this and we suggest things and sometimes then we listen to people about it and maybe they don't look so good a little later. So I just suggest we need a little less tweeting here, a little more uh, listening, oh. and let's just take that off the table and move forward. Look, you know Trump probably loved that, right? <laughs> so so this is not part of my, no, my I just segment. Introducing but, folks but, to but the I wanted to say to the governor there what he f- regrets to rem- or forgets to remember or whatever the term is. There is a school district in the state of Washington oh. that does carry. There's some There's some in Oregon, too. Yeah, the Toppenish, uh, I believe, is the school district or the city. Um, so for him to make blanket statements, you know, I understand he has his beliefs and, you know, he's appealing to his base a bit there. But at the same time, there are residents, there are people, there are school districts in this state that do carry. And we and they, we actually, Como News did a story about it a couple days ago. So, yeah. And while we're while no. we're ma- while we're making clarifications, uh, the chat room reminds us that the AR in AR-15 does not stand for assault rifle or automatic rifle. This has been your family chat room reminder. That's right. Although I think the term assault rifle is here to stay, unfortunately, because it's just been drilled in over and over again. In fact, one of the reasons I even say assault rifle on the show is because people listening who aren't really hip to the whole gun debate kind of click with what, what kind of weapon we're talking about? Right. All right. Are you ready to grind those gears, Mr. Chase? Yes. You, you know what really grinds my gears? So I have the great honor of living in the great state of Washington. And, uh, you know... So Northwest. It so is Northwest. so Northwest. It is a beautiful place to live. If you ever have a chance to come up and visit, please do. Um, and one of the I things... Can't. One of the things I, I really respected about our state was they had something called the Open Records Act. And I and it's been modified here and there throughout the years. But essentially, it came out in 1975, I believe it was. Wow. And it's been, out, it's been out for a while. I didn't realize it came out. I thought it came out in 80. Okay. I think it was 75. All right. But anyway, this act is, is what it sounds like. You have the opportunity. You can file a, a disclosure request and uh, get, you know, record information. Okay. And so the legislature was fighting back on these open record requests. And so what happened was uh, a group of media companies here in the state of Washington, a couple of TV stations, newspaper groups, and that sort of thing, took uh, the legislature to court. And they said, hey, you know, you're not releasing all these information, uh, these records. You're under uh, the same rules as any other city in the state of Washington, Seattle and Everett and Tacoma, all these cities. So they took them to court. And a Thurston County Court judge said, uh, yeah, actually, you guys are subject to this. All right. So here's the deal. So they're appealing that right now. Right. Last week on Thursday evening, Wednesday evening into Thursday, the uh, I believe it was the House side of our government yeah. uh, proposed a law change. It was a House bill that would retroactively take that power away, change the open records law so they wouldn't have to disclose emails that they've had with lobby groups. Uh, They wouldn't have to disclose their calendars and other contacts and things of that nature. Not only not not disclose it, Chris, but uh, it would be retroactive. So it'd go back. And what typically it works in the state and works in probably a lot of your neck of the woods people out there is, you know, you would have committees, uh, you would have people talking about it. But instead, under the cover of basically darkness, they waived rules multiple times 
and by an overwhelming majority from both the Republicans and Democrats, passed this bill by a veto-proof margin. We don't need no stinking open record. So, so what happened yesterday, uh, as we record this on Tuesday, the front page of the Seattle Times had an editorial, which hasn't happened in 110 years of the paper. Major newspapers across the state obviously hate this. I hate this. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's going to make it hard, reporting a lot harder. And, yeah. And not only that, it, it pisses me off because, you know, first off, yes, in my day job, I do work for a news gathering organization. This is my opinion. This is one of those things where you want to have open records because I think government work deserves to be in the full light. Yeah, it's not, and, we're not talking national security here. We're not talking, you know, we're talking about local matters that are happening right now. And, you know this crap's happening everywhere. Yeah, this is happening everywhere. So is Ensley taking a stand? Is so, Ensley... so, so here's the deal, right? So it got passed What's by, our governor doing about by it? an overwhelming margin. Uh, more votes than necessary. Oh, by the way, we can't agree on gun stocks, uh, bump stocks. We can't agree on, on taxes how to fix in traffic, the state or fix traffic nothing, or no, infrastructure. No. But in record 36-hour time, they got a law passed, Okay. So uh, the governor, as you just heard, was in Washington, D.C., you know, uh, uh, having a, a nice conversation with the president of the United States. Uh, and he decided to stop by MSNBC and, and talk with Chris Hayes. And Chris Hayes, you know, like a good journalist, found this story, brought up the question to the governor about, hey, are you going to veto this bill? Uh, both uh, houses in Washington have fast-tracked a bill that would carve out some exemptions for members of the state legislature from certain parts of the Public Records Act. Yeah. Um, Reporters, uh, newspapers, a lot of sunlight groups think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what your position is on that bill. Are you going to veto? He hates it. He's going to stop it. He's going to use the power of the governor's office. What? I think it's a bad idea. Oh, it's, it's a bad idea. Governors, yeah. okay. I've learned. I've been a legislator and an executive, and I know that you can uh, you can have full disclosure and transparency. So you're going to veto it? And, well, I can't, unfortunately, because they Wait, have a veto-proof majority, unfortunately. So I don't have control at this moment. But I have spoken out against it, and I don't think it's necessary. Hashtag trigger. can be a good representative. So, nothing he can do. Nothing oh, he can do. That is a lie. That is a bold-faced <laughs> lie. While, yes, he is factual in saying that, yes, it is a, veto, a veto-proof majority. Where where they could override his veto. He could still veto the bill and force the politicians to override the veto. Go back and override the veto. Yeah. Okay. Which would Um, be a statement, at least. Which would be a statement. This is one of those things where he needs to pull put the money where his mouth is. If he truly believes that, he'll veto it. And you know, and he'll take the high road and says, you know, I believe in this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I checked my district representatives. Uh, we have uh, two representatives and a senator in my district. All three are Democrats. All three voted no. Oh, really? No, no, I'm sorry. They voted for this. They Bye voted for this. That's what I meant. Stay woke. And so here's what I'm going to say. You know, I don't usually get super charged up in, in uh, local and regional politics. I did follow up with all three of my representative, my two representatives and senator. I did contact the uh, the governor's office. Uh, the uh, they were not taking messages because th- this issue alone has overloaded the the switchboards and, and has overloaded ha. everything. Uh, something happened last night that hasn't happened in a very long time. My television station that I work at. Actually, they ran a story, you know, this story, and gave the viewers an up-to-date information. And then they had a commentary. And it was about a you know, 30, 40-second commentary. Our, our lead anchor, Mary Nam, uh, 
told everybody what's going on, why this is important for everybody. Put a little heat on it. And I've never seen such an issue on both sides, Republicans and Democrats, of, of voters, of people saying this is wrong. And this is one of those things where if you guys truly believe in open government— Everybody likes transparency, and, and, right? And not only, not only the transparency part, but you know, the, you know, the Freedom of Information Act and the ability to do investigative work. You know, when you carve out your own exemption, you are no longer working for the people. You're working for yourself. And all I got to say, and I got a challenge to everybody out there in your local governments or your own, you know, uh, anything that's happening, you know, keep alert. Because these kind of things happen. Politicians try to write their own rules. And then when they write a rule that locks you out of knowing the truth, that is when liberty truly dies and we need to keep an eye on things. Damn, brother. That is what grinds my gears to. And that, people, is what grinds my gears. Tom? Uh, his name's not Tom. It's Ru- was it Rooker there in the uh, Discord? says yeah. uh, he's upset too, Chase. He's so upset he's going to smoke his weed through his <laughs> AR-15. <laughs> repurposing his AR-15 <laughs> into a bong. Uh, smoke, uh, smoke one for me, buddy. All right. So, Appreciate uh, that. You got anything in the mail sack before? We do. We, we do. We do. Absolutely. Uh, that's, all right. Let's, uh, let's do it. Show me the money! So, patreon.com slash unfilter if you'd like to support this here show. We got some new peeps in the Club 33. Yeah. Chase's sack. I want to say a big thanks to all of you who have joined up, heard Chris's and myself's call, to join up on Patreon. We had a lot of new members in the Club 33, a lot of new members jumping in overall. And I just want to say personally, thank you for believing in what we are trying to do here, trying to be as neutral as we can to analyze what's going on and just give a give you guys our honest opinion. Yeah, we'll give shout outs uh, in the lead up to the overtime. And here's the thing about the patron. This will be the last uh, pluggy plug of the page, patreon.com slash unfilter. If we get something wrong, if we sound like we have a, an agenda or a bias towards something, give us some time. I ask you just that. Give us some time because we try to do our best to always stay on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And even if we deviate, yeah. we always try to get back on that path because our only goal is to keep our patrons happy. Yeah. We're not worried about the clicks. We're not worried about engaging people on social media or selling our brand to an advertiser. We're not going to sit here and tell you about mattresses or shaving. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the best part. We don't have to appease uh, to advertisers. And so that we get stuff. anything in that sack? We got some we, stuff there? We absolutely did. Let's do so it, man. Club 33. Uh, Tech Dragon wrote and says, you know, uh, with Chris rolling out new Patreons each week and the gradual expansion of Club 33, I've gotten curious. Do you know how many Club 33 patrons have been patrons from the very start i recall spots opening up from time to time that weren't from club 33 expanding so obviously some people have stopped but how many of us have never stopped am i the only one am i the last highlander and i did actually reply and i said you know hmm, i wonder if the data set and i do have access to the data set, so maybe i'll i'll quote into numbers thing. yeah and see if i can figure that out you know one of the things we've talked about too is running some numbers and uh just sending some thank you cards and things like that to some of our patrons so yeah, yeah that's uh that's something that uh, we're talking behind the scenes too about is saying thank you to people who've been with us for a really long time like saying we want to be appreciative to people who are just joining us now but right. we also want to come up with a way that's fun and unique to say thank you for like it, sticking with us and that's why you know I have this club 33 here you know the the, the sack because I mean, yeah, you guys are right, yeah. are very valuable to us. I mean, all of our patrons are valuable, but I mean, you guys like you guys are the like bedrock and foundation. Because if you guys weren't there, I mean, yeah, where would we be? So thank you so much. While you're laughing, the hackers <laughs> are dropping malware into your system. Vera, I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, Veratuna writes and says, "Hey, been a bit busy this week, but I have not had much too t- too much time to absorb the news. The only thing I found highly amusing was the Russians." 
winning the men's ice hockey event at the Olympics convincingly, <laughs> only to have the U.S. Yep. media shat all over it, grumbling about how the team and the fans sung the Russian national anthem while they were trying to be drowned out by the <laughs> Olympic theme. Uh, because, by the way, the whole controversy with the steroid and mm-hmm. substance abuse, they they had Russian athletes competing. But they but, weren't representing right, Russia. They were the uh, Olympians uh, from Russia or whatever. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. It really just shows what farce this whole thing has been with the court of arbitration of sport overturning life bans for 28 Russian athletes and restoration of their medals while the IOC is frothing out of the mouth. It's just so childish. And I agree. I, I, I think they're... I think you're right there, Veratuna. There, you know. First off, the IOC. There's been some corrupt scandals. We you go back. You can go back very far. I mean, going back to Salt Lake, you can go farther than that. I I think if you're cheating, you should be banned, obviously, uh, and let the athletes perform and do what they do best. Yeah, yeah. There is a really interesting, like, um, so how they tracked it back to the to supposedly the Russians um, um, that were uh, swapping out pee samples is an interesting and yet almost completely inconceivable story because it turns out that uh, the authorities store the urine in glass containers with metal seals that that leave marks in the glass if you remove them. So once you take the tops off, you you permanently mark the glass. It indicates that it's been tampered with. And yet somehow these masterminds figured out a way to swap out piss and not tamper the bottles. It's a fascinating story. I think it was on NPR. If you Google around for it, you'll be able to. I did not, I did not toss it in the show notes. Uh, is that it for the sack, Mr. That Chase? is it for the sack. Remember, Club 33, new members. I send out a message every morning before our show live on Wednesdays. Be on the lookout for that in your inbox. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Remember, guys, stay woke. Bye, millennials. Stay woke. Patreon.com <laughs> slash unfilter and a little faith healing for you guys, too. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> All right, Mr. Chase, let's wrap this thing up. That's why it's that laugh at the end, it's right? It's a little giggle. It's the laugh at the end that but, I just. But, you, but I just, you know, I think uh, I think mommy needs a joint, right? You're right. You're right. Mommy does need a joint. All right, Mr. Chase. Well, hold on. Let's see. Hold on one second. There we go. <laughs> see, I, I had to ISO that. I just really quick. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, Nancy. You're right. High note time. Mommy needs a joint. All right. Let's kick things off with a, if this happened, this is the most outrageous aspect of the high note. If this happens, then I, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. New at six, the feds are taking action against a special ingredient found in marijuana. Can you guess which uh, ingredient the feds want to crack down on? A special ingredient? A special ingredient. Well, we know about THC. Mm-hmm. We know about CBD. Mm-hmm. Must be the CBD, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the shit that basically has nothing psychoactive about it. And that, that it's classified as hemp. and Genuinely helps people with arthritis and pains and seizures. Oh, my goodness. One that is used for medical purposes. This battle playing out in the San Francisco courtroom. Tonight, KPIX 5 reporter Kit Doe introduces us to a South Bay family who has a lot at stake. There's literally no reason to do this other than cruelty. In Santa Clara County five years ago, a baby was born. Of course, they go for the kid's angle. His name, Zachary. He was uh, normal for all intents and purposes. He is a special little boy. But a few months into life, Zach began to twitch. His arms and legs would flail. (laughs) This video was taken at the doctor's office, where the baby was actually having seizures. Four in under a minute, hundreds in the course of a day. His father remembers with tears in his eyes. The longest couple of minutes of my life was walking from the doctor's office 
all the way across the hospital to their uh, intensive care unit for uh, babies. How are you going to take this family to court over this? How are you going to do that? How are you going to claim that CBDs are dangerous? How is that even... How is that even possible? It's called CBD, and it's found in both industrial hemp as well as in marijuana. But give CBD to a baby? Zach's mom needed convincing. I was really against it. I was always told drugs are bad. It's funny, when you become a parent, you'll realize you'd, you'd pretty much do anything for your kids, including giving them something crazy. You look at all the options. You do. You, do, you consider things you would never have considered. Stuff that maybe to you right now seems nuts isn't so nuts. Um... Yeah, I won't go any further, but I've had some experience with that. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in San Francisco in front of a three-judge panel. What's the industry afraid of? We've seen this drug code utilized week after week since its enactment to seize, to cause criminal enforcement against lawful operators who require no DEA registration. The hemp industry filed a lawsuit against the DEA challenging a new drug code. That new code says that all cannabis extracts, including CBD, are controlled substances and illicit. That's ridiculous. And are you really going to fight families over this? So now they're trying to change the rules. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's unfair. That's Jeff Sessions doing that. Yeah. I mean, I know Jeff doesn't have control over the DEA, but I'm just saying it's trickle no, down. It's trickled. Yeah. It's trickle down Jeffonomics. And his team represent the hemp industry. They're concerned the DEA is outlawing all CBD, no matter the source. See, this is a, this is the other problem is they can legally grow hemp. There's no THC legal. properties. Yep. They they can grow a crop. They can sell a medical thing from that crop. It's like a great business. It's a great business. Um, yeah. Wow. So in this whole legalization process that we've been watching on this show, which is amazing. Um, there, There is one theme that crops up about once or twice a year that tickles me. And uh, unfortunately, they're, they're falling on hard times right now. And that's the great church of cannabis. Developing tonight, you legalized it, but where you can legally smoke, it's still a problem. A Denver church, the church of cannabis, is facing <laughs> off in the city of Denver. And tonight we are taking a 360 look at social pot use and what happens when you mix pot and religion. Liz Gillardi joins us live with that. Liz? And in Shannon, here's the issue. Ask the Church of Cannabis and the founders don't think they're doing anything wrong. But city officials say the church doesn't have a license to let people smoke inside. Is that something you can get a license for in Colorado, huh? I would say to anybody who voted for uh, recreational cannabis use, to ask themselves what they voted for. When you voted for legal marijuana, did you give the okay to let people light up? inside a church <laughs> we're taking a 360 look as the international <laughs> Say it again. i like how many times they've slipped 360 into this we're taking a 360 look it's it's that is something that local news overdoes you know working not, for you uh, well not all lo- local news yeah all of them no, pretty much no no because you know chris hmm. we don't we don't we don't have a slogan. working for you we don't have that anymore yeah well you did for a long time <laughs> we haven't used that in like three years stop it as the international church of cannabis heads to trial squaring off against the city it started on 420 when undercover officers made their way into the sanctuary on 420 you know that you know cops were you planning knew for they that. Knew that and later issued citations it's religious persecution is what it is you know, he's that's the that's the fight he's got to go. When you're going all in like this, that's the he maybe he believes it actually. Looking at that guy, looking at that dope church right there. Look at the colors in that church. Yeah, I think this guy's actually a believer. This whole time I've been covering this, I thought he was a phony, just coming up with a great way to get in the pot business. But 
He's got a foundation here. Lee Malloy is the church's co-founder. He says all their services are private and by invitation only. I asked why not apply for a social use permit. I don't really consider this to be social use. You know, this is part of our, uh, our church service. You know, we have a ritual uh, candle lighting ceremony. What the hell kind of world do we live in where it's illegal to go to church, light a candle, and smoke? I mean, I'm not saying you should drive home stone. So as an adult, you have to accommodate for that. But as long as you're doing that, and as long as there's no traffic incidents around this church, this, this, you what know, the hell's this, the matter with us? The girl's right. Show me the money. This is definitely about that. But not, but not only that, it's like, don't the police have more severe crimes to deal with in Denver? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. No, they got to go after this church. I mean, come on. Well, so the church isn't sitting still. They're going after the city. All new details are emerging about the cannabis church that's suing the city for more than a million dollars after being raided by San Diego police. Seven pounds of marijuana were taken. To- oh, man. That church had seven pounds of pot? Well, I guess, you know. How, how many pounds of prescriptions uh, are there in the cops' lockers? I, I wonder if they water it with holy water. Oh. News reporter Jennifer De La Cruz is joining us. And, Jen, you got a firsthand look at the damage allegedly done by police during that raid. Yeah, Lindsay, it's all cleaned up now, but they're still not happy about it. This might not look like your average church, but they tell me everything that they do inside really isn't all that different. The attorney representing the church tells me the cannabis that's given out and consumed is all protected under the First Amendment. Whoa. The cannabis church calls this a place of sanctuary with pillows for prayer, rooms for relaxation. After a police raid three weeks ago. Yeah, they really busted that place up. So they're showing like wow. a, yeah, the cops really screwed. Like they destroyed that fridge there. I wonder if these are police officers that uh, don't like that the fact that the initiative passed in California. I guess. I mean, this looks angry, doesn't it? I mean, shit is just thrown all over the place. By the way, let me, you know, we, we always give the attention when uh, news organizations throw out the term marijuana. Notice here, they're calling it cannabis church. Well, the church calls itself cannabis. And I know, church. but but they didn't could have called it. Yeah, they, you're right. they, I'm just, they're not. And you know, the thing they're not doing, they're not making like 15 different like like pun jokes. Yeah, and yeah. They're just they're reporting on what's going on. Yeah, Good for them. Yeah, you're right. It looked a lot different. They were just sent to destroy, which is exactly what they did. Drawers ransacked, furniture flipped over. Yeah, jars of marijuana opened and emptied. Alana Reeves says they took seven pounds of marijuana and caused $75,000 in damage. Jeez. The table was flipped over. All of the religious relics were just on the floor, destroyed. They had liquid spill out on the floor. And I've never heard of a church where, where people go in that, in the church, to destroy things. Even their members still healing from injuries. The zip ties and those were really hurting. Man, they busted people in there and tied them up. That doesn't feel like cops. Serve and protect? I mean, that is what the cops do. That, that does feel like cops. But, damn, I can't believe as, as a— So so I guess— I just can't I, believe I this. guess the end run here is do they, do they feel that they are not a legitimate church? Like, is this is this organization not filed as a— No, they are. But I think the argument is is that they're not, uh, they're not licensed to have pot smokers there. You can be a church and you can be a place to smoke pot, but you have to be, I guess, licensed for both. I don't, uh, I don't know how it works, but— it, it just feels so aggressive. The destroying of all of their property, Man. the abuse of their staff there. And my blood wasn't circulating at the time. And that's when they started burning. 
The million-dollar claim against the city states the raid took place because the church doesn't have a license to distribute cannabis. We don't have any sacrament right now. It was all taken from us. They say they're not a dispensary and use cannabis as sacrament, similar to how other religions use wine. If their claim is rejected... Well, that's an interesting argument. Oh, because churches don't have a liquor license and they do distribute wine. The next step is filing huh. a lawsuit. Yeah, but... Unt- but it's not nearly as much as probably this distributing of pot. But federally, which you know, that's the whole problem, right? Is that yeah? What but these aren't off? FBI agents that came no, rolling not. through here; they were local cops. But yeah, I, I'm just trying. It's I'm complicated. Trying, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to find a, 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 a some a, rationale, a, a, anything yeah, that makes and, and sense. Uh, Otherwise, it just seems like extremely abusive. Bill bet the church doors are still open. They're coming to our churches because we're not just trying to get people high. We educate them. And- well, think about that, too. Like, so it's an invite-only Not church. just trying to get—so so you yeah. you acknowledge that. Well, okay. but, I mean, their they're, they're parish or whatever, they yeah. could probably just get high at home. Yeah. If you're going to a church to smoke pot, it's probably not the first time you've smoked pot. Yeah. They're coming to our churches because we're not just trying to get people high. We educate them and, and really customize a healing program for each of our members. Attendees reached out to the city. They declined to comment due to that pending litigation. Coming up on 10 News at 7 o'clock, I spoke to one woman who tells me how cannabis and this church helped save her life. Well, there you go. There you go. There. You, so uh, perhaps we need a change. Perhaps we need the cannabis candidate. Yeah, but I've seen in his latest political ad sitting in front of a painting of the American flag and holding... A joint. Joining us now is the congressional candidate from Chicago. His name is Benjamin Thomas Wolf. Wolf is running for incumbent Mike Quigley spot in Illinois' 5th District. He is also a former FBI investigator and national security official. So that shocked us. We were a little bit surprised by that. Why do you think that you should be holding the, the joint smoking that What's in, your the, problem? in your campaign as you're running for what office? What a dick. Now, be careful. The president question. is Thanks watching right me. now. I think it's important that we, that we actually start talking about legalizing cannabis. This is medic- medicine for tens of millions of people in America. It can bring billions of dollars in tax revenue to Illinois. And really, it's, it's the first component to completely overhauling and transitioning the criminal justice system mm-hmm. here in America. Benjamin, when, you, uh, when this image Nailed that. Uh, yeah. went around the Twitterverse, and we saw it as well. Uh, uh, joint, joint session. session. Uh, uh, Obviously, you got a, bit, a lot of attention because you're smoking a joint right there. You know, people are wondering, does this guy smoke weed every day? Oh, every day. Oh. Say you do. Just say it. I don't use cannabis every day. It's Oh. <laughs> you don't say no ever, though. It's a routine part of my life, but not every day. When you were ah. with the FBI, were you smoking pot? <laughs> Never. It's uh, it's it's not an authorized substance. Clearly, you go through intensive mm. background checks, polygraphs, lie detector tests, and physical tests. And no, I, I had to smoke cannabis until just a few years ago. So it's kind of an interesting thing to focus on. Why not grab a beer or a bottle of whiskey and say, "Vote for me." You know, I think, like I said, the the cannabis community has been standing up, saying this is very important. And again, we're. We're standing by what we talk about every day. It's, it's important to walk the walk. We're taking big risks here. And I think that the Democratic Party right now is looking for new leadership. And I look forward to leading the pack. Oh. You, you got to be careful, Chris, because he sounds like a pothead. And, you know, those potheads, yeah. wait, they don't, they just, yeah. they, they, they he don't sounds, know. He sounds well-educated, well-articulated. No He's way he could smoke. Decent-looking gentleman. No way. And, um... I, I gotta say, he may even be a slightly productive individual. No way that guy's smoking pot. Can't be done. By the way, it challenges everything I know. 
props on Fox and Friends putting them on. Yeah, I mean, you could tell yeah. they were skeptical, yeah. but they still good, did it. Good on them. <laughs> hey, just a reminder, um, I'm not going to be here next week, so we are not doing the unfiltered program. Getting myself cold, but that's not why I'm not going to be here. It's because I'm going down to scale. So if you're going to be in Pasadena, California, and would like to get what I've got, come shake my hand. Actually, I should, I should be through it by then, I hope. I'll be there uh, March 8th through the 11th, I believe, in Pasadena, California. Follow me on the Twitters. I am at Chris L-A-S. And also check out the new show, TechTalk.today, where I'll be chronicling the journey. Two new episodes are out already. TechTalk.today. Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. Is there any tidbits you could leave the folks so they could find you throughout the week? You know, if you want to follow my shenanigans over on the Twitters, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. I do gaming streams over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash geekgamertv. All right! And you can chat with me over on my Discord, discord.gg slash geekgamertv. No way. Yahweh. Pinball stuff, too. A lot of pinball stuff. All right. So, if all goes as planned, we will have an episode in two weeks. So everything should be back to normal. There is a possibility, like the road trip back, something gets delayed, so you never know. So just stay tuned at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Check out our Patreon page for updates and things like that. And also you can follow at Jupiter Signal if you're on the tweeters. We, t- we tend to tweet about those things. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, the Twitter you know stuff. I mean? yeah. All right, everybody. Well, stick around for the overtime. we got more show coming up. But if you're getting out of here, then we'll just leave you with this. See you back here in two weeks. Fuck the EU. Set the slow cooker to warm, because the show's not over yet. It's time (laughs) for the overtime! All right, thank you, you guys. You went out there and you just blew it off. You blew it off the hinges. Our ten new subscribers this week. Oh, ten of them. (laughs) Ten of them. After two or three weeks of one or two subscribers, thank you so much for going to patreon.com slash unfilter. Of course, to Rudolph, Sierra, Mark, Miranda, Brandon, Michael, Kiloton, JPS, Nick, and Chris, and some of you... Our new Club 33 members, too. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And to reward you, I'm going to take next week off. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just that was already scheduled because of scale. But you do get the overtime. Just for you. After I'm all done with the show, there's always more I could put in there that I know our patrons would appreciate. And that's what this is. This is the Unfilter Overtime. And it, as always has been starting now for a long time with a very important segment. It's an, it's an instructional, educational segment for the mess that is the Democratic Party. And it's called O'Nancy because the problem starts at the very top. Continuing her anti-tax cuts tour using radical rhetoric to slam President Trump's radical. policies. In terms of the bonus that corporate America received versus the 
crumbs that they are giving. This is like giving you a um, bowl of doggy do. You're doing a grave <laughs> disservice to our country. Some patriotic. Let's talk about where the, a more serious structure might be necessary, where fencing will do, we're mowing the grass. Top Democrats, some of them now distancing themselves from their party leader, criticizing her comments as being too extreme. So is this growing proof that Pelosi is out of touch with what Americans want? Here now to weigh in is contributor at The Hill, Kristen Tate. Thank you for joining us, Kristen. I mean, look, you, you hear the sound bites. We're not making this stuff up. She's no, we just love playing it, though. <laughs> talking about crumbs. She's talking about the tax cuts mm-hmm. being unpatriotic, I believe, was something else she said. She's talking about mowing the grass down there at the border. What do you think? They're just pouncing, aren't they? They're just pouncing. Of course, it's not Nancy they're pouncing on. It's not just Nancy, I should say. But finally, finally, Dianne Feinstein. And Ebony, this may be a sign that California Democrats want to shift further to the left while President Trump is in office. The state party handing longtime Senator Dianne Feinstein a major rebuke this weekend by not voting to give her the party's endorsement, showing that winning re-election in 2018 could prove to be a major challenge. Think about this for a moment. What if Donald Trump gives the left the biggest gift, the gift of salvation? By forcing them over to the left further, by making a bigger, clearer difference to the voter between the Republicans and the Democrats, the Democrats will begin to win again. So Trump is giving them this gift of cleaning house, of weeding out the Dianne Feinsteins and the Nancy Pelosi's. I don't know if they're going to pull it off, but if they do, it may just be a big win for them long term. This is not an easy time to run for office. I have never seen the presidency, and I'm going to say it as disgraced as it is today. Oh my. We are Democrats, not because we don't like business or not because we don't like the professions, but Who says because that? we recognize that America is made up of many different people, each of whom has equal rights under the law. So her platform is immigration? And the struggle is to see that this country lives that way. Feinstein's being challenged by California State Senator Kevin DeLeon, who's running to the left of the incumbent senator on health care, taxes and immigration. This weekend, he beat Feinstein by 17 points in the race to get the state's party's endorsement. But there shouldn't be room left on the left. She why can't she doesn't she hasn't had to be anything but a centrist or really a corporatist for a very long time. Well, neither got the 60% needed to actually get that endorsement. De Leon is counting the vote as a major victory heading into the June primary. In the Democratic Party, after the loss of Hillary Clinton, I think voters are saying overwhelmingly that we're tired of the old institutions. We're tired of the old way of doing Democratic politics. We're looking for a new way and a new direction. Yeah. No, yes. No, yes. It's true. It's true. Hey. hey, and thanks to you, Obama. Thanks for you. Thank you to you. Just a big fucking thank you to Obama for not going after Eric Holder for Fast and Furious. And so we might have that weasel D-bag around for 2020. Now, in 2020, I mean, you could do something to be you know, a part of the solution of the things you've been talking about. Earlier this month, Rachel Maddow asked you, quote, would you make a better president? And you replied um, uh, last year, this interview was last year, 
any one of my kids would be a better president than Donald Trump. You went on to say, I will make a decision at the end of the year, this year, at the end of the year, with regard to higher office. My question, though, is, what does Dr. Malone think of all this talk? That's the wife. Well, she's sitting right here. Um, Let's just say that she's not been convinced yet that... So you know how people will say the liberal media, the leftist media, and that Fox News is the only conservative uh, television media? Well, this is the Washington Post. And this is why the media gets this label, is because when individuals on the left begin to imply that they might run, like Hillary did for years, they just sop it up. And they play their games, their fun little hinting games. How many different cutesy little ways can we come up with asking them if they're going to run without actually asking because we know they won't say anything yet? How many cutesy ways? And it's a big media circle jerk for every possible Democratic candidate. Um, that would be an appro- a good thing to do for us, for our, our, our family. And, um, okay, understood. We'll take that and put it over to the side for, for a moment, just to entertain this for, oh for a little bit. Um, because you have been asked this question a couple of times, and right. I mean, as you said, I will make a decision. Right. Why do you feel at least a flicker in the belly to even think about running for president? So this is really interesting because you got Biden out there now. you got Eric Holder. And this is his moment to say, oh, no, 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 this is all just getting away from me. Just because Eric or just <laughs> Eric. Eric Meadow, <laughs> just because Rachel Madcow said that I might I might want to run for president doesn't mean I'm going to do it. You know, I've had some scandals in my past. I I armed Mexican cartels. Um, I was holding contempt of Congress. I probably shouldn't run. You know, I kind of have a, I kind of have a tattered history. You know, he could say that. Of course, he's not going to say that. So he could say something like, oh, this is just this is all just uh, hyperbole. This is all just exaggeration. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Those are all things he could say. To sort of deflate this, but instead, well, because you know, I care a great deal about this country. Oh God! Um, I've spent oh, the vast boy. majority of my professional life um, in public service. Um, I think I've got ideas that um, I hope would resonate with the American people. Oh boy! I think I've got the guts. Oh boy! You know, to potentially do the things that I think the next president would would have to do. You know, he'd be Obama's guy, and he doesn't have the guts. Um, you know, this is not a time. This is not a time to be half-stepping. Um, this is a time to deal with a changing America. As he half-steps around this. Um, with America, an America that will be wounded by the experience that we are presently um, going through. Um, so, I mean, it is all those things. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, ultimately I'm going to do it. Um, I'm certainly going to be involved. I'm sure coming up with a good reason, though, and I'm not getting out of politics. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> See, and here's the problem is this is this is something that the media has done for a really long time. And it creates these conspiracy bacon theories and it creates this, oh, the left, the media is just for the left. I will take you back in time. Bill Clinton's first term, I believe, when uh, it was it came out that the Jennifer Jennifer Flowers had had a like decade long affair with Bill Clinton. And the media was all about helping them. I'm going to play you here a uh, 60 minutes clip. It's really kind of an astonishing clip for two reasons. The first reason is you will hear a CBS director essentially directing Bill Clinton 
on what to say as he's about to be interviewed. The CBS anchor who's doing the interview for 60 Minutes is sitting there in the room directly across from Bill Clinton listening to everything that his director is telling Bill Clinton. I think at some okay. point you're going to have to be as candid as you know how. And then from there on you say, I said it on 60 Minutes. If you want to know what I think or say on this subject, go get a tape and run it again. So that is, I'll play it again here for a moment. This is a CBS producer behind the scenes coaching Bill Clinton, directing Bill Clinton on how to answer the 60 Minutes interviewee question. This is about him being involved with Jennifer Flowers. The president shouldn't be getting coached by a television executive on how to answer a, a question about an affair that he had. If you want to know what I think or say on this subject, go get a tape and run it again. I've said it all. We were going to do an hour at the most, but then 40. So this is the next part is interesting is this is this is like a behind the scenes clip that was that's really old if you're watching the video version. And during the same interview, the lights almost fell down and killed the Clintons. We were almost rid of the Clintons in this moment. Minutes into it. That's Hillary. Yeah, she used to have an accent like that. You should go back and look at old clips of Hillary. She had quite the uh, accent. The most, but then 40 minutes. So watch, if you're watching the video version, in just a moment, the light rig for the CBS interview is about to fall down on top of them. Into a... Mary and Joseph. Woo. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Now, it's in sort of this um, tender moment, which I'm suspecting you wouldn't see anymore. Bill really kind of steps up and... Um, you got to wonder how their relationship has changed since this interview. The lights fell down. So Bill grabs her and holds her. It's like an artillery round going off. I'm all right. And then I suddenly realized that the lights had fallen. He grabs her head. Falling off the wall and almost killed them. Boy, that was scary. And of course, the guy who was coaching Bill's like, well, shit, that was the best moment of the interview. We got to do that again. Wow. But Don wanted to get on with the interview. I saw it coming. That about was the best thing you said. It was right at that point. That was the high point of the whole <sighs> thing. So this is how the media works with the Democrats. Because I'm willing to bet they didn't do that for Junior, and they're not doing that for Trump. But they'll do it for Bill. Absolutely. They'll do it for Eric Holder, and they'll do it for Hillary. Yeah, very Midwestern. In fact, here's a little more of that. Who is Jennifer Flowers? You know her. Oh, yes. How do you know? This is 1992, by the way. How would you describe your relationship? A very limited, uh, but until this, you know, friendly, but limited. I, had, I met her uh, in the late 70s when I was attorney general. Uh, and she was one of a number of young people who were working for the television stations. hey <laughs> right there you almost know it's legit, right? <laughs> as soon as that happens. So here's a little bit of Hillary. The interview, we asked some questions. The is false. When this woman first got caught up in these charges, I felt, as I felt about all of these women, that, you know, they've just been minding their own business and they got hit by a meteor. I mean, it was no fault of their own. Uh, we reached out to them. I met with two of them to reassure them. They were friends of ours. I felt terrible about what was happening to them. You know, Bill talked to this woman every time she called distraught, saying her life was going to be ruined. And, you know, he'd get off the phone and tell me that she said, sort of wacky things which we thought were attributable to the fact that she was terrified. It was only when money came out, when the tabloid went down there offering people money to say that uh, they had been involved with me. There you go. Things change over time. Clinton's relationships, accents, all those things. And uh, there's some really interesting YouTube compilations. I spent way too much time watching old Hillary Clinton interviews. I don't, I don't know what the matter was with me. I, I even went out and dug, dug out like this old frontline interview. ...long hours and becomes involved in so many other people's lives and problems. I always tell them it's great. 
We really cherish the time we do have together and appreciate the fact each of us works hard. In Arkansas, as Bill Clinton rose from attorney general to governor, Hillary Rodham became his most powerful aide. She changed her appearance and eventually her name. In order to avoid any problem and just to put it to rest, I will forever be known as Hillary Rodham Clinton and expect that that's... She became skilled at policy and politics, a fighter willing to play hardball to win. Oh, <laughs> that guy's got the voiceover of voiceovers, doesn't he? And uh, that, that whole clip is in the supporter sync if you want to see it. But we're not here to talk about Hillary. No, no, we need to move on. Let's talk about the news this week. Let's talk about Jared Kushner losing his top secret clearance. Late tonight, NBC News is learning Jared Kushner is now cut off from highly classified information, according to multiple sources familiar with the memo sent Friday. It alerted staffers with temporary clearance to the country's most sensitive materials. That's over. That includes the president's son-in-law and top advisor, those sources say, who's been tasked with Mideast peace negotiations. Jared Kushner cannot receive the president's daily brief. He cannot be involved in National Security Council discussions about sensitive matters, and he cannot be talked to about our nation's most significant secrets. The White House not commenting specifically on Kushner's clearance, but saying he will continue to do the important work that he's been doing. The move, more fallout from a scandal that raised clearance questions after it became public former staff secretary Rob Porter never received his full clearance amid accusations he abused two ex-wives. Chief of Staff John Kelly promising to clean up the clearance process, even if it affected Kushner or his wife, presidential advisor Ivanka Trump. I will let General Kelly make that decision, and he's going to do what's right for the country. Kushner's outside spokesperson tells NBC News no concerns were raised about his clearance application. Over on Capitol Hill, by the way, a different top Trump advisor, Hope... Oh, hold on. Don't jump ahead. Isn't that interesting? Outside counsel or an outside advisor or whatever, or spokesperson, whatever it was. That's fascinating. So what's the difference between top secret and secret? Well, how about old Kirby tells us? we got a better understanding as to what this downgraded uh, security clearance means for Jared Kushner and his work in the White House. I want to bring in our military and diplomatic analyst, uh, retired Rear Admiral John Kirby. Uh, You've had a top secret security clearance over at the State Department at the Pentagon. Walk us through the difference between uh, what Kushner had, an interim top secret SCI, secure compartmented information security clearance, as opposed to what he has now, an interim secret security clearance. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Sure thing, Wolf. And it's important to remember that there are three levels of security clearance in the U.S. government, confidential, secret, and top secret. What we're going to do is kind of break down the differences between top secret and secret. You remember Kirby? You guys remember him? Is this guy sounding familiar to you, Mr.? I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Yeah, he used to be a spokesperson for the State Department. Now he works for CNN. It's also important to also remember that it's not just your clearance that matters, uh, whether you get access to information and material. It's whether there's a need to know, whether you actually have to have it to do your job. So with that, let's take a look. Top secrets, the highest level of clearance, most sensitive information. If it's disclosed, it could cause exceptionally grave damage to national security. That's the two big, uh, uh, big, big elements right there. Next. 
It's the most rigid storage and handling and access protocol. So if you're going to have access to top secret, that kind of material is really going to be carefully safeguarded from the time it's created to the time it's destroyed. And the clearance must be reinvestigated every single five years. Again, owing five to the years. highest sensitivity of that information, Wolf. On the secret side, this is information that if it's disclosed, could cause serious damage to national security, as opposed to top secret, which exceptionally grave damage to national security. There's going to be less detailed information with respect to secret material. It's not going to go into the sources and methods. It's not really going to lay out where all this information comes from and the context behind it. Um, You're not going to have access to the president's full daily briefing. And I use the word full deliberately, Wolf, because there's going to be articles and material in the presidential daily briefing that will be at the secret level that Mr. Kushner would be able to see. But he's not going to be able to see all of it. And that clearance is going to be reinvestigated now every 10 years, again, because the material under a security clearance isn't quite as sensitive as it is under the top secret. There you go. So that's his situation, and um, yeah, that's it. So um, the what says in the chat room that it's overblown. Mueller's investigation will not clear him. This is why the clearance was pulled. Mueller hasn't cleared anyone, so more clearances might end up getting pulled. Obstruction from a sham of an investigation. I hadn't heard that, but you know. Yeah, I can see that as part of the investigation, clearance is starting to get pulled. That would make sense. Um, but you know what? It's not just Kushner that has issues. Um, in fact, Kushner's kind of gotten the spotlight taken off him thanks to old uh, Ben Carson. The New York Times reports that while the Department of Housing and Urban Development was planning to cut programs for the homeless, elderly, and the poor, it spent $31,000 on a new dining set for Secretary Ben Carson's office. That, that's some bad optics. Custom set included a hardwood table, chairs, oh. and hutch. Well, a former top HUD official says she was demoted and transferred for resisting attempts to get around a law that requires congressional approval for redecorating costs over $5,000. A HUD spokesman says Carson didn't know the table had been purchased. He does not believe the cost was too steep and does not intend to return it. <laughs> There's a big difference between five and thirty-one thousand. Oh yes, there is. That's right, Gail. You're so good, Gail. But of course, old Ben Carson has the heat taken off him because now it's on Hope Hicks. We are back with breaking news. The New York Times' Maggie Haberman reporting that Hope Hicks, White House Communications Director, is resigning today. I'll read you from Maggie's piece. Hope Hicks, the White House Communications Director and one of President Trump's longest-serving advisors, said Wednesday that she was resigning. Hicks, 29, a former model who joined Trump's 2016 presidential campaign without any experience in politics, became known as one of the few aides who understood his personality and style. Uh, Maggie goes on to report that she's been considering leaving, but her resignation does come one day after she testified for eight hours before the House Intel Committee, telling the panel that in her job she had occasionally been required to tell white lies. Oops. But that she had never lied about anything connected to the investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 election. President, I just can't. So OPEX is out, and that's actually breaking today. Um, and they're trying to, they being the Trump administration, are trying to not tie it to that admission about a little white lie, uh, the saying this has been in the works for a long, long time. This has been coming. This is something that Hope wanted to do. But if it's been in the works for a long, long time, why not punt for another week? Just to avoid the appearance of that. Why not? I mean, it's not like Trump's going to fire her for defending his honor or for, for being loyal to him. So it's not like she had to go out. I'm sure Trump was happy that she he, she might have slightly lied for him in a way. Because uh, that covers for him. So it's not like she's getting fired. I doubt she's getting fired. It, it just seems like the timing's a little odd, though. 
It's very strange. A lot of weird, weird things coming out of the White House this week. Senior advisor and first daughter Ivanka Trump. A source tells CNN Kelly has remarked privately that Ivanka is just, quote, playing government. Ooh, intrigue and rumors out of the palace, everybody. And as the Kelly has largely brushed aside Ivanka's agenda, once disregarding her child tax credit as a pet project. That complicated split role of being both a senior advisor and the child of the president of the United States played out yesterday in an interview with NBC. Ivanka Trump represented the U.S. presidential delegation at the Winter Olympic Games in South Korea. Is it fair to say she's the child of the president anymore? Couldn't you say daughter? Wouldn't that be? I mean, even offspring. But child has sort of a a connotation that she's she's. um, immature like she shouldn't be in the role i mean it's like you're it's like you're trying to use words to convey imagery and nbc's peter alexander sat down with her for a wide-ranging exclusive interview peter asked ivanka about the allegations of sexual misconduct her father has been accused of and has denied here is ivanka's answer this is something wasn't it do you believe your father's accusers i think it's a pretty inappropriate question to ask a daughter if she believes um, the accusers of her father when he's affirmatively stated that there's no truth to it. Awkward. I don't think that's a question you would ask. Awkward. Many other daughters. Super awkward. I believe my father. I know my father. So I, I think I have that right as a daughter um, to uh, believe my father. The New York Times reports Ivanka Trump's response facing pushback from journalists and others online who point out that she was at the Olympic Games in an official capacity, also has positioned herself as a voice for women inside the White House. So So you can, what does that do? I mean, I'm not saying I agree with her defense, but I don't know what that necessarily justifies either. That's just the same kind of logically backwards. The argument is, if that's Tiffany Trump sitting across from Peter Alexander, you could make a case that's an inappropriate question. Maybe. We can argue. We can debate that. But Ivanka Trump has positioned herself in the West Wing as a senior advisor, has an office, is supposed to be at the forefront on women's issues. There's nothing unfair about that question. Well, I think I think you you look back how kids have been treated uh, of of presidents. And Gene, if you know, people didn't ask the Bush daughters uh, those questions uh, much and didn't ask Chelsea Mm -hmm. Clinton those questions. That's actually what made me go back and look uh at the old Hillary interviews as I was looking to see how she answered those questions back in the day and if they asked anything like that to Chelsea. Um, and it wasn't until this last election run that I could see anybody throwing questions at Chelsea. And it was normally just somebody from the audience, a heckler kind, uh, trying to bring up Bill's uh, accusations. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like they did there. So he does have a point there. You don't see that with Bush's daughter or daughters. And you don't see it with Chelsea. I'm disappointed in people on our side. So this is uh, Mona Shireen. Shireen? I'm not sure how you say her last name. She's a pretty well-known conservative writer. And she was at CPAC 2018, which is just wrapped up. And they were having a panel about the Me Too movement and uh, what's been going on with the outing of a lot of sexual harassment allegations. And she's like, well, wait a minute. How can we have a whole panel up here for an hour talking about this and not discuss the elephant in the room? Okay for being hypocrites about uh, sexual harassers and abusers of women who are in our party, who are sitting in the White House, who brag about their extramarital affairs, who brag about mistreating women. And because he happens to have an R after his name, we, we look the other way, we don't complain. 
Um, this is this is a party that was ready to um, endorse the Republican Party. And her panelists start to look extremely uncomfortable up there. And uh, the audience starts to get like, wait a minute, hold on. No, we don't call out our own. Endorsed Roy Moore uh, for the Senate. Oh, you said Roy Moore. The state of Alabama. Oh, even boy. Though he was a credibly accused child molester. You cannot claim that you stand for women and and put up with that. Well, you know, this is this is a really interesting point because this there's been this this and there are many, um, but there have been there's been this explosion of sexual harassment scandals, and in many cases accusation has been equal to conviction, right? Many people get accused, and that's all anyone needs. I, I worry, honestly, I worry about the young men as well as the young women, because they're, they have no idea what to do. So, that's right. You Actually, guys, right? <laughs> Speaking of and that's speaking right. of bad guys, there was quite an interesting person. Hold there on. was quite an interesting person who was on this stage the other day. Her name is Marion Le Pen. Now, why was she here? Why was she here? Uh, she's a young, no longer in office politician from France. I think the only reason she was here is because she's named Le Pen, and the <laughs> Le Pen name is a disgrace. Her grandfather is a racist and a Nazi. She claims that she stands for him. And, and the fact that CPAC invited her is a disgrace. Well, <laughs> I don't think she's getting invited back. What do you think? They don't like it when you do that. They don't like that. Let's switch over to world news a little bit. Um, there is some real shit going down in Syria. Al-Nusra terrorists have shelled a humanitarian corridor which was just opened hours ago in a Damascus suburb. Now, this was established to allow civilians to leave the war-ravaged district of eastern Ghouta. Uh, Here are the latest pictures of the humanitarian corridor. The Russian military says civilians are being prevented from using it by the shelling. Now, eastern Ghouta is located just outside the Syrian capital. It's been occupied by various rebel and militant groups now for the past few years. We're talking about this region here. And the violence there recently escalated, with both sides accusing each other of targeting civilians. The new humanitarian corridor set up by Russia is located right here by the Al-Wafadin camp. Now, the humanitarian efforts to provide safe passage for those desperate to escape are being coordinated with the Syrian Red Crescent. Uh, Buses, ambulances, uh, they're all on standby to evacuate civilians from the embattled area. Uh, People inside the rebel enclave are being notified about the location of the corridor uh, via leaflets, uh, text alerts and even megaphone announcements. And we understand first aid points have been set up near the exit to help those in need of urgent medical assistance. However, despite these efforts, it is feared civilians will be prevented by the rebels from leaving the war zone, as Murad Gazdiev explains. Civilians are dying. They're dying from rebel shells, from government bombs, from bullets. You have to wonder how many of those rebels are uh, paid contractors, right? And uh, Trump, he's, he's unhappy with the situation in Syria, too. A little raw feed here. I will say what Russia and what Iran and what Syria 
have done recently is a humanitarian disgrace. Uh Uh-oh. I will tell you that. We're there for one reason. We're there to get ISIS and get rid of ISIS and go home. So is Donald Trump lying or is he uninformed? That's not why we're in Syria. If, we, if that's why we were in Syria, then we wouldn't have armed and supplied the people that made up, of I, that made up ISIS. I'm not saying we did it directly, although we were involved, we being the U.S. You see, you could get out of Syria and stop ISIS by never arming them in the first place. By, by never dropping supplies and never providing them with CIA trainers and communications equipment and Pentagon trainers. You see, that would have been the way to stay out of Syria. That's... So I don't think he really knows. He might not know what he's talking about. Perhaps when the new president comes in, they don't they don't tell him the real reason we're in Iraq or they don't tell him the real reason we're in Afghanistan. They let them figure it out on their own. If they don't figure it out on their own, then that's even better because they just go out there and say this kind of stuff and they can sell it because they believe it. And what Iran and what Syria have done recently. Is- See, it's not us. It's not it's not it's never us. It's not because we paid a bunch of psychopaths to go in there and murder people. It's not because we armed a bunch of crazy killers who have been terrorists in the past and then we just said, "Okay, thanks. We're done with you and let them loose. Let them keep their weapons, let them keep their communications equipment, let them keep their Toyotas." It's not because of that. Nope. It's not because of that. It's because of Iran. It's Iran that's doing it. And of course Assad. It's a humanitarian disgrace. I will tell you that. We're there for one reason. We're there to get ISIS and get rid of ISIS. The only reason. And go home. That's it. We're not there for any other reason. Nope, that's it. We've largely accomplished our goal. Yeah, of killing our own guys that we put in in the first place. We've done really good at that. We've done really, really good at that. Um, In the meantime, we're we're, uh, ramping up sanctions with North Korea. Today, the Treasury Department is announcing the largest set of sanctions ever imposed in connection with North Korea. This action targets the deceptive shipping practices that have enabled the Kim regime to fund its dangerous weapons programs. So that's what we're going after is the boats. The boats coming in. The boats. I don't know. Uh, apparently, uh, apparently, the uh, RT network is uh, taking the side of North Korea in this one. Though. For more on this, we're joined tonight by Surab Gupta, policy specialist at the Institute for China-America studies. Sue Rob, thank you for your time tonight. This uh, alliance between the United States and South Korea, is it stronger or weaker at this time uh, based on what we've seen in recent months? Uh, So RT has all these interviews that they're doing this week. Uh, Like, here's another one. North Korea is opening the door to possible talks with the United States. It comes just after the closing ceremonies of the Winter Olympics in South Korea. It seems like RT has a bit of a message they want to get out there about North Korea. I'm not sure. That seems to be... uh that seems to be the message I'm getting. Now, the Russian ambassador to the U.N. has called for a urgent action to resolve the humanitarian crisis in the rebel-held region of eastern Ghouta in Syria. Now, if these are truly rebels, why are they going to the U.N. to have action? I mean, if this is a civil war being brought on by the civilians of Syria because they want to overthrow the over-dictator that is Assad, why do you go – why does Russia go to the U.N.? and plea with the United States and Turkey to get the rebels to stop and free citizens. If you don't believe that the U.S. and our NATO allies are behind these rebels and this civil war, please answer that question. How can Russia go to the U.N. and talk to the United States 
And then, magically, the rebels, who are supposedly a bunch of different groups with different backgrounds, just release the civilians. Explain that to me. Addressing the Security Council, he criticized the way the media and foreign powers have been influencing this situation. The media. The media. The, the media. All of Western media doesn't... Only one network in all of Western media has a reporter in Damascus. One network. And it, right now it's CBS. RT has a field reporter down there since the war started. They have reporters on the scene since the war started. So the media, there is no media in Syria. It's all of the reports in Western media are essentially reports via third parties by either rebels or some informant or some humanitarian NGO. That's where the media's reports come from because they don't have anybody on the ground in Syria until just recently CBS got somebody out there. There is a massive psychosis in the mainstream media which is spreading the same rumors day after day. It doesn't help to understand the situation at all. They put forward the idea that there are only hospitals in eastern Ghouta, which the Syrian army are fighting against. Now, what we just heard was the Russian ambassador to the United Nations responding to what he characterized as a smear campaign. Now, the meeting was called in response to this situation in eastern Ghouta. Now, this is a suburb of Damascus, located to the east of Damascus. And at this point, it's an enclave of, of rebels and terrorist forces. Now, there's been increasing hostilities in eastern Ghouta as the Syrian government is fighting to retake the city from terrorists. Jeez, what's left of it? It's just, whew, man. The Syria thing has been the weirdest thing to watch. It's one of the weirdest. It's not like it hasn't gone like anything else, really. The on, on again, off again, ceasefire, rebels pull out, rebels are in. I don't know. I guess I guess what would really help is if we had better reporting. If we could have somebody besides RT talking about it that actually had reporters on the scene, like CBS does now. Now they've got somebody in Damascus, so maybe we'll see something. But my sense is that CBS is, well, they're going after more lower-hanging fruit. Some people can't shake the feeling that their phones may be picking up their conversations even when they're not making a call. Now, this is a good topic, right? Because everybody suspects that maybe Google or Facebook are going a little too far. I've heard it suggested to me several times that I think they're listening to my conversation because it's recommending stuff that I've been talking. I have heard people say that to me a few times. Would they be covering this if it was a story about television ads listening to you? I don't think so. See, I don't think so. I think they're going after their, com- their, com- their competitors in the ad market, which is Google and Facebook and just online stuff, stuff on the phone, stuff on your phone. Because when you're looking at your phone, you're probably not looking at the TV. Recent headlines highlight how some consumers believe they could be getting ads just by chatting about products in normal conversation. So an article about consumers who think they might be getting surveilled is not news. Now, an article about consumers that are most definitely getting surveilled, that, my friends, would be considered news. You see the difference there? Might be and are be. No, not Arby's. Um, And so why are they even going with this on the CBS Morning News? It's got to be an agenda here. Be getting ads. Recent headlines highlight how some consumers believe they could be getting ads just by chatting about products in normal conversation. It could be. That really could be a thing. It could be. So go out there and do some research, you lazy CBS bastards. Tony DeCopel did some research. Oh, 
Kevin Stone, Tony, good morning. <laughs> good morning. I was one of those consumers. If you're getting online ads for things you never search for online, you may think a company is listening in. And that is possible, experts say. But companies know so much about you already, they probably don't need. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I'm, that is really it. To eavesdrop. That is 100%. So you've had this feeling that your phone is listening to you? Oh, definitely. Sam Nguyen is sure she gets ads from Facebook and Google for things she only mentions out loud. Now, here's the thing, though. If you think about that, that is an intense amount of data usage and battery usage. Your phone, if it, if you have your phone recording, it drains the battery a lot faster. So you would notice really poor battery life. And you would go into the system settings and it would show you that that application is using a ton of power, in theory. Because they're likely not exploiting the operating system and avoiding the power collection metrics. I didn't write that in my email. I didn't check it out online yet. It's- See, this is the scary part. What's really freaky, what we, what we have to come to realize is we think that like all of these online recommendation systems suck because Netflix never really seems to recommend what I want to watch. YouTube does a half-assed job of figuring out what I want to watch. I swear to God, Amazon's advertising me stuff I've bought before. You know, I buy it and then I start getting ads for it. Like These recommendations engines suck. Well, that's only part of the story. Also, these are the indicators that they work really, really, really good. Like they're figuring you out before you even know for sure that you want to do a thing. That's what this potentially telling us. Out loud. I didn't write that in my email. I didn't check it out online yet. It's just popping up. That's kind of weird. Weird enough to convince her the companies are eavesdropping through her phone's microphone. But are they? I think it's very, very unlikely Sandy Parakilis is a former Facebook operations manager. Look at them going out there and doing some interviews. Now go ask Facebook. Go ahead, CBS. See what Facebook says. Ask them the hard questions. He says constant streams of audio from so many phones would be too expensive to gather and analyze. Oh. And all the data would drive up people's phone bills. You mean he's not going to just admit to it right there on CBS? Besides, he says, companies don't have to listen to know what's on their mind. <laughs> exactly. They know a tremendous amount about you, and that... That enables them to make guesses about what to advertise to you that can be uncannily accurate. Yeah. So think about that. Just imagine for a moment if they aren't listening and they're still that accurate. Does that creep you out a little bit? Does that creep you out more than them listening? I'd be curious to know. In the meantime, if you want to get tripped out and you can't get stoned, well, maybe your dog can. So unlike medical doctors in California, veterinarians can't discuss cannabis as a treatment option for pets. But a new bill could change that. It would let vets open the option to their patients, giving them oil drops and treatments for anxiety, seizures, and pain relief. Opponents of the bill say an overdose of marijuana can be toxic to pets, but supporters say pet owners are already seeking information on their own and may receive bad advice without input from a trained veterinarian. And UC Davis is now conducting a study on the effects of marijuana on animals. The School of Veterinary Medicine released a survey to see how pet owners have used the treatments before. It's all in an effort to research benefits and side effects, but also appropriate doses for different types of animals. I mean, if you're talking like CBD oil, I'd say go for it. I mean, that seems like, no, man, if somebody told me CBD oil would help with my dog Levi's allergies that he has, I'd be on top of that. I would have no qualms with that. Now, THC? Boy, you better be careful. Just go slow. Go see a doctor. Hopefully they let, hopefully they let vets experiment that because the only way to get to where you want to be on this kind of stuff is research like old CBS did there. All right. Now, we've been hard on the Donald this week. It's been a, it's been a lot going on, a lot flying at the Donald. So I wanted to leave in what might be my favorite moment in his presidency so far. And it happened this week. It was a moment of humility 
a moment of self-realization and a moment that you just get to see the man I don't think we normally get to see. And I don't know. I just enjoyed the hell out of it. So after all of this cranky Donald talk, maybe we end it with kind of a funny moment. By the way, what a nice picture that is. Look at that. I'd love to watch that guy speak. Oh, boy. Let's see. How's... I try like hell to hide that ball spot, folks. Oh. I work harder. <laughs> I can't believe Doesn't it. Look bad. Hey, we're hanging in. We're, we're hanging, hanging in. in. We're hanging in there, right? Together, we're hanging in. Oh, man. Thank you for hanging in with the Unfilter program. Thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. We'll be off next week for scale, but we'll be back after that. So instead of seeing you next week, I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks so much. At Chris Elias for the Twitter. At Nunes for Mr. Chase. At Jupiter Signal for the network.